0: 11 hours away from the start of National Signing Day, Manny Diaz and his staff, somehow, way, through an awful lot of adversity, have made it to the finish line. Tonight, we are talking recruiting. After a season of disappointment, for three hours tonight, we will focus on a new generation of Hurricanes. Right now, Miami stands at number 10 in the Rivals team rankings. Let's be honest. That is absolutely amazing. Amazing. An amazing accomplishment for Manny Diaz and his staff when you consider the disastrous way that the 2019 football season went. Now, a few more schools might pass them tomorrow. They may not finish number 10. Right now, we have 20 kids on the commit list. There's at least one of those that we're a little concerned about going into tomorrow, and we'll get into that in a moment. It isn't an off-the-charts class. We're not going to try to represent it as that tonight. But it is a decent class full of some very good football players. So recruiting will be the theme of the night as we begin a new edition of Cane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of CaneSport.com, and I welcome you once again to Cane Sport Live, presented again this year by everybody's favorite Italian restaurant in South Florida. That, of course, is Sicilian Oven, with six locations throughout the Dade and Broward area at Sicilian Oven, You will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show. It will be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad, as always. If you'd like to come on the show, put you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. So before we get started here, I'm going to bring in our managing editor, Matt Shodel, who spends probably way too many hours of his life on the phone with a lot of these kids that are going to be in today's signing class. And of course, some that won't be, and we're going to break down the class. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and how it's gone. Then we'll get to your phone calls and then around 9.30 tonight, I'm going to be joined by a guy who I would call the mayor of South Florida high school football. Um, been watching all these South Florida kids for well over three decades. That, that's Mr. Larry Bluestein, And uh, Larry and I will spend the, the last half of the show with you and uh, talk about these recruits and uh, some big picture uh, issues that Miami football is facing as it continues trying to recruit the best players in south florida something that is not going anywhere near as well as anybody would like for I guess is now a fourth or fifth straight year Uh, so we'll talk about that later we'll talk about the positives the negatives and everything in between so let me begin by um, welcoming Matt to the show Matt, how you
1: doing this evening. Oh, doing well. It's almost signing day, so (laughs) almost ready to start the next cycle in about 24 hours. Um,
0: You and I obviously talk about recruiting on a daily basis, um, but before we get into the class and break it down, just your general thoughts uh, about how recruiting has gone this year and um, where this recruiting class stands.
1: Yeah, well, it's an interesting year because the perception tomorrow, I think, is going to be one of disappointment among Hurricane fans. Um, mainly because fans want a big finish, right? I mean, it's like you go to a show or you go to a movie and you want the happy ending. You know, it's great to have a nice plot for the whole movie, but if at the end all the main characters, you know, don't, you know, like come out with whatever, you know, everyone's like, oh, that wasn't such a great movie. That's all you remember is the finish, right? And I don't think Miami's going to finish very well. So, you know, the last two or three weeks, Manny Diaz and all these coaches were taking all these in home visits trying to get these other recruits to join the sort of base of the class which you referred to which is a really good base and a good finish would have made this a great class uh, but without a good finish the perception is going to be oh these guys can't recruit and oh this class isn't so good even though like you said you know it's going to be a top 15 class I think at the end of the day um, you know right now they're 12th when you factor in just average stars and don't just look at the overall numbers which the average stars, I think, is at this point is more reliable anyway, because everyone's already got you know their 15 plus commitments at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just too bad for, for many of these coaches where the season ended. They might have had a better chance to sway some of these guys on the fence. Um, but you know, to have just to see guys that I know Miami wants going to Nebraska and going to UCF, and you know, it's just like if you're not used to seeing that. And it does not bode well for the future. You know, it's going to be super interesting to see in 2021 if they can sort of get some momentum going. Because truth be told, a new coach gets hired, that first pass is usually really, really good. Because, you know, that coach, will, or you think that coach will be there for a while, and he wants you. And all the other guys, He sort of inherited, or a lot of his staff inherited. In this case, obviously, Manny was the defense coordinator, so he had that side of the ball that he was recruiting too. Um, but not, that notwithstanding, you know, you need to stack classes together. And if they don't put together a strong 2021 class, if this ending of 2020 is indicative of what's going to happen in 2021, then this is going to be a regime that fails. So that's really the key to me. I mean, forget if there's a bad ending here, you still got a good, you know, 19 strong commits that you're going to have coming in and then add a few more transfers and a few more kids that they're going to try to get in January. But then you've got to get those 2021 kids or it's just going to fall apart. And, and it's such a strong 2021 class. And I've already started talking to some of those kids. And I'll tell you right now, I'm talking to some of the top 250 kids. They said, you know, if Miami's not winning, I'm not going to Miami. So, I mean, if Manny Diaz has another six-win season next year, it's going to be horrendous. And it's it's going to be this really, really bad. He probably would have to <laughs> go at that point. Um, but that's maybe getting a little ahead of things. Since tomorrow is the 2020 signing day that we're focusing on. <laughs>
2: Well,
0: I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, this 2021 recruiting year is, is, is a program-shaping year. If you can dominate recruiting in the southern part of the Florida in 2021, you're setting yourself up to be a championship football team. There's that much talent. And, um, you know, you're right in the sense that, you know, right now it does look a little bit like uh, Miami's in a compromised situation. And uh, I've been very vocal on the message boards and elsewhere about the concept of making some moves to, to inject some more football talent. Uh, and I'm not talking about the kind on the field into the, into the football program. And the, you know, this concept of bringing Alonzo Highsmith in has been on the table since October and has not been acted upon. And I think it's a colossal mistake because with Alonzo Highsmith, you, you, you get so many things. Um, you get a guy that's been an NFL personnel uh, guy for over two decades. And what that means is he has, he knows what a fo- what a elite football player is supposed to look like. He's been to every program in the country over these years. He's seen what's working, what's not working, why the teams that are successful are successful and aren't. And Miami, since Butch Davis walked out the door in 2000, has not had an elite talent evaluator in the building. A guy that has an undisputable record in identifying players that are going to be great. And those, those teams that Butch built, maybe the best roster in college football history, was not by accident. It was built because Butch came from a great recruiting background, a great talent evaluation background that he formulated with Jimmy Johnson in college and then in the national football league. And he had established protocols for every kid that was recruited. And there's a, there's a reason why even the kids that came from off the radar, like the Ed Reed's of the world, the Reggie Wayne's of the world turned out to be elite football players. It was because of the way they were evaluated in recruiting Miami right now has a 75 man roster with two or three players, on it that are going to be drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. And that's it, okay? Um, at least how it looks right now. And that is not even close to good enough. And, you know, we're not going to sit here and talk all night about this concept because we want to get into the individual recruits. Um, but until this program steps up its game from bottom to top, on and off the field, I don't see this changing. And um I just wish... That I saw a greater sense of urgency in the administration as we have amongst the fans on the message boards at canesport.com and, and, and elsewhere. So, um, with that, we'll see what happens. But, uh, Matt, let's jump into this recruiting class that'll sign tomorrow and start with the quarterback. Um, a guy that they locked into pretty early in the equation uh, after a couple others that Dan Enos had targeted uh, fell off the radar and that is uh, Tyler Van Dyke from uh, Suffield uh, Connecticut Academy and um, you know we've had a chance to watch quite a bit of them both uh, live when he's come to Miami camps and an enormous amount of film that we've that we've had on the, on the website Matt and I I don't believe anybody out there who evaluates these things is considering Tyler Van Dyke a franchise quarterback at this moment in time But as it pertains to Miami's needs at quarterback, I think he's going to get an opportunity to be that very quickly here at Miami.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't like to do evaluations just because, you know, who am I to argue with a whole coaching staff at Miami They're Like you mentioned, Alonzo Highsmith, you know, really what you're saying is that the current Miami staff does, doesn't evaluate talent well
3: and well that's um, been it's
1: not just the
0: current Miami staff it's been proven that they don't have any players on they don't they don't have elite players on this roster
1: yeah what I would argue you know not to go back to what you're you know and debate it too much but what I would argue is that in the old days everyone gives Bush Davis all this credit and you look he he certainly kind of high talent there's no doubt about it but it was so much easier in those days to sort of keep quote-unquote secrets In Dade and Broward and Palm Beach County, because there wasn't huddle, there wasn't all these coaches who wanted to promote their players to the entire world. There wasn't players that wanted to promote themselves to the entire world. They didn't have a way to do it on social media back in those days. So when you have a network at the University of Miami with all these coaches down here, and you know all the talent down here anyway, it's so much easier to get a kid that you're on for two years when another school doesn't really find out about him for two months before signing day, for instance, which happened all the time back then because I covered recruiting them too. But now these other schools, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Clemson, you name it, they're on these kids two, three years before they're even seniors. And it, that never used to be the case. So I'm not, sure. I, I, I'm not sure Miami can't evaluate talent with the coaching staff. Maybe they can't and maybe Al Golden's staff couldn't and maybe Randy Shannon's staff couldn't and so on and so forth. Or maybe it's just the other schools are getting these kids and the kids are like, listen, these other schools are a better fit for me, which is really what Miami has to battle. I'm not sure Bring Alonzo Highsmith and it's a great idea. It can't hurt, but I'm not sure that him being here and evaluating talent is going to make that talent want to come here any more than they already do now, which is not a heck of a lot. People used to bang down Miami's door on a waiting list to come in. Now Miami's got to beg kids to come and they don't want to beg kids to come. They're still treating these kids like, hey, we're Miami? You've got to ask us to come here. And until they realize that's not working like that, it's, it's, it's a cultural issue, not just with the team that many of the talking talked about, but with the coaching staff, like you just can't get kids that just want to come here because you're Miami anymore. You know, you've got to beg these kids. You've got to recruit these kids harder than anybody else. I haven't heard one kid tell me this entire cycle. Miami's recruited me harder than anyone else. A kid on the fence. I'm talking about not the commitments, obviously where other schools drop off of them. Like you have to be on these kids, texting them every night, every morning, good morning, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, you send them letters. I haven't heard a single kid say that has got a letter from the whole staff wishing a happy birthday or occasion for the parents or anything. Like you've got to know the, the holidays that they celebrate. You've got to know the parents' birthdays. you got to know the grandparents' birthdays. you got to know the kids' birthdays, the coaches' birthdays. You've got to know all this stuff. You've got to have the entire staff send out letters. It's a massive project um, to out-recruit other schools, and Miami's just not doing that. So you can bring in all the talent evaluators, evaluators you want. It doesn't mean these kids will come here until they start doing that and that, you know, look, you're asking my telegram like, so, yeah, so I'm not going to evaluate him and say, okay, you know, he's the greatest quarterback since whatever, because who am I to say that? I mean, you know, I sort of just report on what he's doing, what his coach says about him, you know, what I'm hearing from you young people about him. So along those lines, what I'm hearing is he can compete to start from day one. He's a smart kid, will pick up the offense fast, already runs a similar offense to what Dan Enos does, has decent mobility as a, as a low four seven kid in the 40, um, throws a great ball, great arm, you know, people call it an NFL arm already with him. So I think he has a a really good chance to start from day one, just given how bad the quarterback situation is. And I just don't think that Jaron and Nicosi have shown right now that they're going to make that big a jump um, by next year, you know, because they already had one plus years in the system for each of them, obviously, and I just haven't seen it. So I'd love to see a new guy like Tyler get a chance to run the offense and hey, maybe it'll work out, you know, why not?
0: Well, we don't know what's going to happen with the coaching staff. We don't know what's going to um, – you know, whether Dan Enos is going to be back, not back. Uh, that will be decided here in the coming days and weeks. Uh, but I have to believe that Dan Enos and Manny Diaz have to be dying to find a, a new quarterback that's not presently on the roster. Uh, I don't see how – I Jaron and Nikozi, God bless them. They've, they've taken this program down two years in a row now. And obviously not totally responsible for six and six, seven and six last year. But how does all that stuff that happened last year go down? And then this year you've got situations where, you know, those guys or, you know, you had Jaron missing a practice uh, in the middle of the season and, um you know there were there were there were a few other issues along the way like i just don't see how they weren't just absolute boy scouts this year and i just got to believe that enos and manny are dying for a guy like kyler van dyke or maybe a quarterback that'll be in the 2021 20, class to seize control of this program and and just you know get that position back to the level of play that it warrants and, and I guess we could use the word deserves. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Tyler. He'll be here in January. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endorse the pickup. I, I, I don't see who they could have gotten that's better than Tyler Van Dyke. So I, I'm going to call that a, a, a solid recruiting win there at quarterback. Now, the one position that you can look at where you can unquestionably say that the coaches did an unbelievable job, that's running back. Okay, there were three in South Florida that were absolute takes, and there was no reason to go recruiting outside of South Florida at running back. That was uh, you know Don chaney Jalen knight and um, and, and Parish at Miami Columbus who will not be coming to miami and uh, I heard some people argue behind the scenes that they, they, that you know maybe they' should take all three of them and just let them battle it out, um, but clearly they didn't, they decided not to do that. So they had to create a pecking order between them. And I think the way the pecking order shaped up both on the coaching staff and I had other people outside the coaching staff evaluate this as well because I was curious. And um, the the universal opinion that I got was that Chaney was the best, that Knighton was right there with them, and then Parrish uh, was just a notch below them mostly because of speed. And uh, so in getting Don Chaney from Miami Belen and Jalen Knighton from Deerfield Beach, Matt, um, I don't think there's any other way to describe running back recruiting this year as anything but an absolute
1: grand slam home run. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that's the strongest position class they've they've got. And, you know, sadly, it's probably the one they least needed. I mean, they, they were okay with not taking Jalen Knighton, like if Jalen Knighton, if FSU, you know, sort of had things go their way and everything was a status quo, you know, he was committed there. He would have stuck there and Miami would not have taken a second running back. Like that was not a major position of need, but you don't say no to Jalen Knighton, obviously. But my point being they weren't going to take Henry Parrish anyway. So like for, you know, for Miami to say, that their strongest position that they got in this recruiting class is running back to me. is a, a little ridiculous because they so desperately needed offensive linemen. They so desperately needed defensive back. They so desperately needed a linebacker or two um, more than what they have gotten. And will get this in this cycle to, you know, this early cycle, at least um, to replace the guys that are losing who are starters. Like, there were so many more need positions for us to be we saying running back was such a home run and a grand slam. And, you know, it's just like, it's almost a disservice to the recruiting class. Like it's the one spot they didn't need it, but yeah, they did great. So, okay. You, you know, you chalk that up as a win, but like that's not where they needed the win. They needed the win on the offensive line. They needed the win on the def- defensive back. It's like ridiculous. Like that's I don't get it. You know, like that's where they needed the win.
0: Well, I mean, for a while, it was looking like DJ Dallas was going to go pro. And of course I think his injury is going to negate those plans, and he'll be back. So it's going to be a crowded room next year. There's no doubt about it. Um, But I think a couple years down the road that you're going to be happy you have both these guys. Uh, You know, Chaney is a very talented kid. He's going to have to prove that he's tough enough for the major college level. He played high school ball at Miami Belen. You know, it's not an upper-tier school in terms of competition. He's going to have to prove he's tough enough for the college game. Knighton, when I first looked at his film from his junior year, I remember posting on the message boards that he is an absolute must-get, and I just felt that that kid was so talented. Now, the buzz around him, for whatever reason, seemed to um, get reduced as he went through his senior year, Uh, maybe just because there, there were so many guys fighting for the attention down here in South Florida, but... That was a guy that was headed to Florida State. And if he went to Florida State and turned out to be as good as I think he could be, that's a guy that was going to have the potential to beat you every year uh, while he's in Tallahassee, just like we saw um, Dalvin Cook do a few years back. And I'm not saying that Jalen Knighton is Dalvin Cook at this point. We're certainly not going to make a prediction like that. But if you remember what Cook meant to the Seminoles – in all their games against the Hurricanes when he was there, it was a pretty big deal. Um, so I think getting Knighton away from Florida State is, is a is a really good development for Miami, and uh, I think the competition at that position next year will work itself out. You know, we don't know yet where Lorenzo Lingard is going to fit in as the future goes. Uh, I mean, you know, right now you would have to think that DJ Dallas and and Cam Harris are going to be the top. Two backs again next year, uh, uh, you know, so you can have Lingard Cheney Knighton competing for some minor reps behind them i 'm assuming at least one old red shirt um, you still got Robert burns sitting in there i 'm expecting him to get passed up pretty quick, but you 're right in a sense, Matt. I think that the, the room is very crowded, but that 's what you want man i, I it's like I, my feeling is every room on in this program should look like the running back room, like the tight end room is looking right now. And that's just not the case. And that's why this program is in the place where it's at life or death to win even games against central Michigan and FIU. And uh, it's very sad to see it that way. And that's why I am pounding the tables on anything that comes along, whether it's Alonzo Highsmith or anything else that can upgrade what's going on in this program and make it better in any way because i think it needs a lot of help in a lot of different areas all right wide receiver an interesting group you know to, to, to me uh michael redding from miami academy a guy who's uh, very well regarded uh dazzlin warsham who looked like he was going to alabama for a while uh the tide backed off him and he locked in with miami It'll be interesting to see. Kid runs really good routes, and the only question with him is flat-out speed. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like on the practice field when he gets here to Miami. And then the third commitment in the group is an interesting guy, a guy that I think I like to compare maybe to a young Braxton Berrios, and that's Xavier Restrepo, a kid that made a lot of explosive plays in high school, uh, just a phenomenal athlete. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Miami uses him. Dan Enos wanted Restrepo because he likes having that kind of possession receiver in his offensive scheme. And uh, I thought that uh, KJ Osborne was going to be that guy this year. It really didn't play out that way. Um, But I think that that's what you can expect to see Restrepo uh, down the road. If Enos stays in the program, I think you'll see him in the slot and a guy that they've, that they may try to feature a little bit on third downs and things like that. But, uh, Matt, when you put it all together, all three of them, a good receiver recruiting class, a great receiver recruiting class, or just an average recruiting class at the receiver position?
1: Well, I mean, you know, all things taken together, I think it's very good. But, you know, you got you got guys like A million, Jones Bell, Rosemee, Leonard Manuel, I mean, other guys that were like – I think could have made this an outstanding wide receiver class that Miami just couldn't get. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Like, yeah, you know, these, these three guys, they have, they have skill. I wouldn't say any of them are going to be off the charts so you say, oh yeah, you know, this guy's got like an NFL future. Like Warsom is just not that fast right now. He has an injury history. Restrepo's a little small needs to add. I mean, he's fast, but he needs to still have just some straight ahead speed Um, You know, Redding's, Redding's, I think, going to be probably, as of now, probably the most polished of the three, you know, could be a good possession receiver, also with downfield speed, so he's got, like, some sort of uh, multidimensional capabilities to him, but, you know, when you look at some of the other guys that Miami really could have, should have gotten in a perfect world, you know, area guys I'm talking about, you know, the Amelia Jones-Bells-Rosemes, for instance, like, Imagine a class with those three guys, right? Like you'd be saying, yep. oh, my gosh, you know, the wide receiver position at Miami, this is wide receiver you. You're not saying that with these three guys. So, yeah, it's, it's very good, but it's not off the charts.
0: I And I totally agree with you, and I was, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I watched Michael Redding uh, last summer at the Rivals Five-Star Challenge going against, you know, pretty decent cornerbacks. And, he, I mean, he was good. He was okay. But, like, I don't feel that – any of these three guys are program-changing talents. I mean, uh, you're losing Osborne, you're you're losing Jeff Thomas. Are you replacing those guys with players that are better players than what they were? And to me, that is what the barometer should be for Miami in recruiting across the board. And uh, I don't feel we're seeing that. And um, I think that these three guys are going to be good players. Uh, I don't know that they're going to change, change the, the, the big picture any. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I agree that Redding is the most probably game ready of the three coming into the program. And um, I expect to see him potentially on the field next year. Um, Restrepo we'll see. I don't know, you know, really if the, you know, if they're going to try to use them on special teams and, and things like that. Worsham, I would personally think might redshirt, shirt, but, uh, but, you know, we'll see. that goes all right tight end Uh, obviously a place where Miami is pretty strong uh, with Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory Larry Hodges uh, Michael Irvin potentially I think has another year in the program so you've got guys at tight end Um, Dominic Mamorelli is a kid from Naples who Miami locked into with the former coaching staff and I remember Todd Hartley telling me that he thought Mamorelli was the best tight end in the country when he started recruiting him. And um, obviously, it remains to be seen how that plays out. But uh, I know Miami likes him a lot and uh, feels that he's a, a, a quality tight end prospect who maybe didn't get the accolades in high school that his abilities warranted because his high school team just didn't throw the ball that much. But um, I know that they're, they're very happy. With Mammarelli. Now, the interesting thing going on at tight end is obviously the recruitment of five-star Darnell Washington from Las Vegas. And uh, got to give mad props to Steve Field on this one, Matt. He, um, he's done a great, great job keeping Miami in the game for Darnell from start to finish. And as we sit here tonight, uh, Darnell has told us that uh, he is going to wait until February to make his decision. He does not know yet what he wants to do uh everybody that's recruiting him thinks they thought they were getting them uh I, i saw tennessee felt good alabama felt good georgia's felt good all along and miami feels like it's in a good spot so he's gonna probably pick one of those four obviously and uh I think Miami's right in there with Georgia. That, that, that's the impression I get from all the different people I, I've spoken to about, about Darnell Washington. And um, it's going to be fun to watch that play out over the last month. At least we'll have a little bit of drama for the second signing day. Um, but, Matt, we, got, we've, we had a chance to watch him live in multiple spots this summer. I saw him at the Rivals Five-Star Challenge. He was out at some of the, um, the Manny Diaz camps. He was at Paradise. So he's been down here. We've seen him running around. He's a massive human being. A lot of people think he's going to grow into an offensive tackle in college and won't be a a tight end. But these are the type of players that Miami needs to be fighting for that I don't see them fighting for. And to me, Matt, Steve Field was the only coach on the staff this year they got his hands a little a, a little bit messy and, and, and put on the boxing gloves and went toe-to-toe with the best teams in the country for an elite player. Miami needs to do more of that.
1: I mean, I don't think anybody would argue with that sentimentality. Yeah, there's not enough of that going around. And, um, you know, I, Darnell doesn't do a lot of talking, you know, in, in the media. I, I've been talking to his mentor, David Hill, quite a bit. And, you know, Darnell – does sort of like the city vibe of Miami. He's from Las Vegas. I'm not sure that he, his fiance, and his young daughter are going to feel like they fit in necessarily quite as well just um, in, the, uh, in the environmentally, I guess, or however you put it, at a, you know, at a Georgia or an Alabama or even a Florida where there's maybe not as much to do that they're used to doing, you know, going out in the town, hanging out, whatever, going to the, they the beach down here. You know, he sort of enjoyed going to the ocean when he was down here. Uh, So, you know, Miami's in it for a bunch of reasons. Yes, Fields one. The the area of Miami, Cole Gables, intrigues them a lot. Uh, And then on top of it, you know, you got the tight end situation at Miami. So the biggest caveat for him would obviously be the quarterback play, um, unless he does want to be an offensive lineman, which as of now he's, you know, considering being a tight end. So if you – if you take out the factor of the offense really struggling and the quarterback play, I think he would wind up here. So I, I just really think the offensive issues have just hurt Miami so, so badly this year. You know, it's just, it's almost a shame because in many of you first year, if, if Danny, you know, and these quarterbacks, just figured it out, you know, and, and done something differently, you know, scheme wise, everything wise, really, you know, I mean, it, it could have been so different like how you don't use guys like Jeff Thomas and, and some of these other weapons on offense, that they could have gotten more involved in games, and, and just the offense just disappeared. Wide receivers not even getting looks for quarters and halves, and sometimes games at a time. Um, it's just bizarre to me, and and that just you know that just hurts when it comes to guys like this. You know, you got a five-star guy who's looking at other schools where the offenses are averaging forty-five points a game and five, you know, four hundred, five hundred yards um, in some of their games. And like, where do you think a guy like that's going to wind up going if he wants to make NFL money? Which is really what all these guys want to do at the end of the day. At the end of the day. So Miami's got to, you know, Steve Field's got to convince this guy that, you know, that what, a freshman coming in, Van Dyke, is going to be the answer. I mean, (laughs) whereas these other programs have proven guys. So it's just tough. You know, it's tough. At the end of the day, I honestly, I know that people want to say, you know, Miami's trending up with Darnell, but I know at the end of the day, talking to David Hill, it's going to be a business decision. I just see it just being tough for Miami with him. So it's great that Steve Field got Miami in the game with him, but you know, we'll see how this goes in January. They've got a mind you've got a lot going for them, but at the end of the day, the team, the offense, they have to somehow convince him that this is why it's going to be different. And I don't know if they can convince him of that.
0: All right, moving on the offensive line. To me, one of the greatest disappointments in the modern day recruiting history of the program. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a totally broken position. We all know that uh, the starting lineup averages can be. There's no reserves to speak of on the team. This was the greatest opportunity for young offensive linemen in the country, the one that we have here at Miami. And to me, it, it's as it's, it's, it's close to a strikeout as can be. You had two South Florida kids, uh, John Dennis and Isaiah Walker, who were considered good enough to justify top-tier Division One offers. OK, Dennis is going to Oregon, if that sticks, and um, Walker's going to Florida. OK, so those are two South Florida kids that walked away. And that's a horrible sign. And, and, I, and I think that that Butch Barry right now, because of the recruiting failures with those couple kids, it, uh, combined with the fact that they really couldn't get a whole lot else going. He's got to be going to bed very nervous about what Manny Diaz might do after this bowl game. Uh, because in most likelihood, there's going to be some coaches that are going to be, I'll use the word scapegoated because I think it applies that are, are going to probably be dismissed to try to make a statement that going six and six is unacceptable here at Miami and we need to be better. And we're going to bring in new coaches, you know, yada, yada. Okay, great. Butch Barry has got to be one of the candidates because he's a decent technician but the guy said his position did not really get better as the season went on. I mean, you know, you got to you got to give him some credit for, you know, the fact that he was playing with true freshmen. But, I mean, the, those games at the end of the year, especially when they had an injury or two and had to bring in the reserves, were just absolutely horrendous. So you couple that, you lack a player development at the position with the fact that recruiting didn't go very well, I got to believe he's a little nervous when he goes to sleep. Now, the one guy here, Matt, that is unquestioned in the fact that he belongs is Jalen Rivers, a big kid who should be able to come in and very quickly have a chance to make the top seven. If Jalen Rivers is not in the top seven going into next season, then Miami is in serious trouble.
1: Okay, I guess it's my turn to talk. I mean, I didn't. It's really your turn, man. I mean, he—he he, look. I don't even want to talk about the guys. They signed two guys or whatever. Great, okay. Jalen Rivers, okay. We'll see. Offensive lineman, I'll never ever make a projection on coming into the freshman year. You look at Zion Nelson. You don't know what's going to happen. These kids. If you rely on a freshman offensive tackle, you got problems. Period. No matter how good they are. So Jalen Rivers will be great in three years. I any offensive lineman whoever signs, I'm going to tell you it takes three years, period, to be good. Now forget that for a minute, okay? I just want to talk about Butch Barry because to me, it's not Butch Barry's fault. It's, it's Manny Diaz's fault because here you took a guy and you hired an offensive line coach and you hired Butch Barry knowing that he's a technician coach. He's not a good guy. Who's going to be a great recruiter. You you know, that everybody knew that he's been coaching I think for four years in the NFL. He's not a, a feel good. You're the greatest player ever. Please come play for me. Oh my gosh. You know, let's be best friends. That's not Butch Barry. Okay. So, the fact that Manny didn't put Steve Fields on the case and on the recruiter shelf for every single kid on the offensive line that Butch Barry was recruiting and have Steve Fields, maybe even take a lead role with Butch Barry just sort of, you know, being the backup guy for every offensive lineman, like why not? And let Steve Fields even help out with the offensive line sometimes in practice, whatever, I don't care. But like that's you, this guy is not going to recruit four and five starts in Miami. He's never recruited a major program in his life in college. He's an NFL guy with an NFL pedigree And that's his deal. You know, he'll teach these kids how to become better offensive linemen. That's his job. And I think he's actually done an okay job because these offensive linemen sucked in the spring. They were so bad, Miami had to literally take out defensive players that were starters just to run plays in scrimmages, okay? Like, they couldn't even function the offensive line. The fact that this team went from being so bad in the first three or four games in the offensive line to being being bad but not awful in the last four or five games, is like, remarkable. But Barry, I think, is a great coach when it comes to that. But he can't recruit. You can't – like, Manny Diaz had to identify that, and he didn't. This is not the guy you send on the recruiting trail who's going to pick up your four or five offensive linemen you desperately needed in this class. It should have been Steve Fields being the guy who every offensive lineman would be saying to me, oh, I talked to Coach Fields tonight. Oh, Coach Fields texting me every day. He's the best. Yeah, him and Coach Barry, they're teaming up to help out and, and tell me all about Miami. I love what I'm hearing, blah, blah, blah. You don't hear that. It's just, you know, Butch Barry. And Butch Barry's not a guy who wants to recruit. He's there to coach the kids and make them better. He's not going to be a salesman. That's just not his shtick. So, you know, this is what happens when when you don't identify that a guy's not a recruiter and he's a technician coach, and and, uh, and they didn't address it. It's it's Manny Diaz's fault to me that they just uh, struck out on so many offensive linemen. And now, credit to Butch Barry, by the way, he won't take these crappy offensive linemen just so you have a third or fourth guy. Because there's other guys out there who suck who want to be part of the class and he dropped one of them and he won't offer the others. He'd rather take two offensive linemen who he knows he can turn into players down the road, than take the four that they need or five that they need and know that two or three of them can't ever play here, which these past coaching staff, by the way, did take those guys just so you had a number, the Zach Dijksters of the world and whoever else. I mean, I could name a bunch of others um, that they've taken over the last four or five years that never, that, that Butch Barry never would have recruited here. Um, so credit to him on that, but like they misidentified how they needed to help him recruiting the offensive line.
0: Well, I think you make a great point, and one of the things about hiring a first-time head coach, which is and it's, it's a, it's part of the reason why I I personally thought that Blake James made a big mistake when he gave this job to Manny Diaz, who hadn't done this before. Is they're going to make a lot of mistakes, and 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 those mistakes are unavoidable. It's like they're going to make mistake after mistake after mistake, and I think we saw that this year, and and this was definitely one of them because they they need recruiters on the staff. They need guys that can, uh, like in the, in the case of the O line, go out across America and captivate kids into considering Miami. Uh, in the case of some of the other positions, they need recruiters that can maneuver around the uh the, S- the South Florida football communities and have relationships with the youth league coaches the high school coaches there's nobody on this staff that can recruit the inner city of miami i mean let's let's be honest it it's it's a very poorly put together staff in that regard, and I think they've paid the price for that in recruiting and and One of the places where they're paying the price is on the offensive line because not only did they not get the kids from South Florida, um, but they really weren't successful in finding too many kids around the country. Now, one they did find that is expected to sign tomorrow is Chris Washington from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, man, I I profess, I don't really have a great feel on Chris Washington. I... uh, I don't have a whole lot of opinions on, on that regard. Is, is there anything that, that you could share about Chris?
1: Chris Washington, I could share. He's from Tennessee. And I, I'm pretty sure he played on an awful high school. Team. <laughs> I think they won like one or two games, if I remember correctly. But, um, but you know, look, he had, he had schools like Mississippi, Michigan, Tennessee, which Tennessee never offered. If they did, he probably would have gone there, but you know, he had some decent schools at least looking at him. So, I mean, it's not like he's, um, sort of a nobody, you know, plan B, plan C guy. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I think he's like 6'6", uh, in the 280 range. He's got the frame um, and a little bit of athleticism to him to the point that, uh, that he could become a good player. And he's an early enrollee, so, you know, they can mold him earlier than some other kids. I, I think he'll be just fine. Um, you know, I-, I don't think he's as highly regarded coming in even close to it as Jalen Rivers. But no. we've seen kids like this who work harder and, and, and come in and do better. Like, that's the other thing we haven't really talked about. It's not about getting the four stars and five stars. It's, it, and this is what Manny Diaz is trying to do. I don't know if they'll be successful, but it's about getting the kids who come in and just put their freaking heads down and work hard. There's so much laziness on this team from things that I hear from other people and, like, just not doing things the right way. Uh, you know, that hurricane way everyone used to talk about, like, it's gone. And if you get these 19 kids, which is what I think they'll be coming in tomorrow – maybe 20, and these kids are all on the same page in terms of pushing each other and calling each other out and making sure they're all doing the right things all the time and working hard and making themselves the best players they can be to help the Miami program, not just help themselves, then this program will be just fine. Like, you see a team like FIU that beats Miami, a team like Duke that beats Miami, like, it's not magic. It's not because Miami is so awful. It's because these other teams are playing as teams and pushing each other and working hard, um, in preparation for that weekend, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whereas obviously there's a disconnect at Miami. Like, there's no other way to explain something like that because Miami obviously out-talents them. So, you know, this, this is – many days talks about this being the group that can sort of turn the tide at Miami, and that's really what he's talking about. He's not talking about, okay, Chris Washington – is going to be, you know, a starter from day one because he's so talented. He's talking about these kids needing to come in and, and change sort of the way everybody at UM is, is looking at themselves and this program. It's not a gift. You know, you have to earn it. Um, I think Chris Washington is one of those kids just from talking to, you know, talking to his coach about him, um, people around him about him. And, uh, you know, so you can't argue with that. Like, I don't care if he's rated a two-star or three-star. You know, if other schools seem to have liked him and he's got that good work ethic and his – his coach and people around him say he's a hard worker, you know, I, I think he can work out. And that's, that's certainly the case for Chris.
0: I'm going to be interested to see how he does. This is one of the ones in the class that I'm a little concerned about. When when I see a kid from Nashville, who's not, who Tennessee is not all over, um, you know, uh, that, that, that throws up a red flag for me. So I'm going to be very interested to see how Chris does. Now, another guy that we are, Waiting for a decision on here that's going to go into tomorrow morning is Kobe Baines from Jacksonville. He is um, a Miami Louisville battle. Uh, We believe it could go either way right now. I would probably give a little bit of an edge to Louisville in in that one, but that'll be one that we are monitoring very closely in the morning. It's one of the few that are kind of on the fence right now going into signing day. Uh, A few other kids Miami has been playing around with that, Will probably, you know, become factors in, in January in terms of evaluation and decisions. That's a uh, gauge gainer at uh, Parkland Douglas High School. He's uh, Corey's cousin, uh, Philip Wilder uh, from Jonesboro, Georgia, and uh, FSU decommit Alex Atkavaj, I believe that's how you pronounce it from uh, IMG. Uh, Miami reached out to him Sunday after he decommitted from FSU. He's supposed to visit in January. We'll see what happens there. But again, another position where I'm not sure that the program is moving the needle, you know, getting significantly better. Hopefully Jalen Rivers can become a great player and, and do that to a degree. But the football program is not taking a major step forward with the offensive line class that's coming in. All right, defensive line. We've got five commitments to touch on here. Um, Willie Moyes from uh, Hollywood Chaminade. He's not going to sign until February. He's still clearing up some academic issues. But expected to sign tomorrow are Elijah Roberts from Miami Columbus High School, a defensive end who we think is going to grow into a defensive tackle. Chance Williams, uh, a really good edge rusher. Jalen Rivers' teammate from Orange Park Oak Leaf. And a kid out of Charlotte, North Carolina, that I don't think we really know that much about either, and that's uh, Quentin Williams. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can bring to the table. Now the drama here at defensive line involves Romello height, a kid from Dublin, Georgia, a really good edge rusher who has been committed to Miami for several months. And here in the last few days of recruiting, Auburn has put a full court press on him. They have him number one on their board as, as a rush linebacker. And they are trying really hard to turn Romello height. And, uh, from what we were hearing the last few days, they, they have turned his father. His father became a, a major proponent in Romello flipping to Auburn. Uh, what's Romello think, think about that and what he's going to do? Uh, he's kind of gone a little underground with it, but he teased today on Facebook when he posted that he will be choosing tomorrow between Miami and Auburn. And this is a kid that's been committed to Miami for months and months and months. Matt, what does Romello Height do tomorrow?
1: I mean, you know, I've been doing this long enough to where a kid's a solid commit, and then all of a sudden, two, three days before signing day, he's like "Well, wishy-washy, and his dad wants to go somewhere else, and, you know, it usually doesn't wind up too well (laughs) for Miami. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but uh, I don't think it looks great right now.
0: Well, what would a signing day be without some drama? So, um, for those that love the Fog of War, that love drama i think romello height is probably your poster child for this year um miami does not want to lose this kid i can assure you Um, he's a decent prospect and uh we'll be following that tomorrow morning so you can uh stay glued to canesport.com for what ends up happening with romello overall matt i think the defensive line group is okay um i feel the same way i don't see an, uh, an elite guy coming out of high school there i think roberts is a decent player i think chance williams is a decent player uh don't know that much about quinton i think willie moise is okay but i don't see the, the the needle moving for the program overall your thoughts
4: no
1: i i agree i mean they're they're good but i i don't see a guy who is a day one difference maker um I mean, there's not much else to say. You know, I don't need to break down every single one of them. But, I mean, we'll see when no. they get on campus how they do. But, you know, it's, it's it's a good group, not a great group to me.
0: All right, linebackers. Now, obviously ridiculous position of need with uh, Shaq and Pinkney exiting the program. Uh, Manny Diaz got a major, major boost when Zach McLeod decided to redshirt this year and agreed to redshirt. And he'll come back, and he'll be the anchor of the linebacker position. But we got to say – that as great as that is, and I think it will stabilize what could have been an absolute disaster, Zach McCloud's been the third best linebacker on this team now for several years, and the best two linebackers on this team, Shaq and Pinckney, are going to be you know mid- to late-round draft picks. You're probably talking fifth-rounders maybe, uh, potentially in the April draft. So there's been this appearance that Miami's been great at the linebacker position because they had these four-year four starters. But when you look at it in reality to where you would hope the position would be at a place like Miami, it hasn't been close. And I'm not convinced that with Tyreek Austin Cave from New Jersey coming in and Corey Flagg from Houston, Texas uh, coming into the fold here, that they're replacing Shaq and Pinckney with guys – that are better than Shaq and Pinckney, who were average players to begin with. So I'm going to continue to voice my concern that even though this is a decent recruiting class, that there has not been a bar set that the players that that are going to be recruited and signed are better than what we are playing with. And if your mission for the Miami program is for this program to get to the point where it can compete with Clemson for ACC titles to where it can occasionally get into the college football playoff, recruiting in general overall is going to have to get elevated. And the only way you're going to elevate it is to bring personnel into the program that can help get that elevation done. So, you know, we'll just have to see how things go. I don't, like I said earlier so show, I don't understand the reticence in bringing an Alonzo Highsmith in and, and letting him go to work. And, and it, just that if he could just over the next year, while they're trying to get uh, to a decision on Manny Diaz, whether Manny Diaz is the guy that can lead this program going forward, if they could just get the personnel department upgraded, to me, that's, that's a win. So, you know, we'll continue to monitor it. We're going to keep pushing for it. It makes way too much sense, uh, and, and we'll see what happens there. But Austin Cave, Matt, Corey Flagg, your thoughts on those two?
1: I mean, I guess, you know, one of them's a little undersized compared to, like, a Sean Spence type. But, like, you know, they're good. They didn't get, like, you know, a ton of top offers, that sort of thing. Like, when Miami's getting guys who have offers from the Alabamas, Auburns, all the top SEC schools, top ACC schools, then you're like, okay, we got a player, like, you know, these guys are good. They got some, some offers, you know, North Carolina type of schools, but again, until like with the offensive linemen, until they get in here, you just don't know. I mean, if Miami's relying on these guys to start from day one, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. So I'd hope that, you know, Sam Brooks, you know, uh, Avery Huff are ready to work in with uh, Zach McLeod as starters. I don't see any of these linebackers plannings being starters from day one personally. Yeah, I, I would agree
0: with that. I think they're going to need a little development,
1: um, it's you know, just Miami's
0: lacking so much depth at linebacker. I, I think they're gonna be needed on special teams right away and they're gonna to need to be depth fillers right away. And uh it's gonna be really interesting to see how they show up and are able to compete at this level. Uh because yeah, they they, they were B list recruits, let's be honest. I mean I don't you know, we don't need to sugarcoat it. Uh they they weren't Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, type of recruits. Uh, um, you know, Austin Cave, you're talking about, you know, beating schools like Rutgers, you know, four and, and uh, you know, a couple others. Uh, Corey Flagg, I believe that when he made the decision to come to Miami, it was Miami over Purdue. Uh, so uh, they're going to have to overachieve to really make a, a major impact in this program, in my opinion. Now, Steve Field, again, got Miami in the game with Justin Flo. And I believe Miami might have been a more serious player there if they just didn't have the season they had. And I I, I think the season, the loss to FIU, has pretty much eliminated them from the Justin Flo sweepstakes. I'm expecting that he will sign possibly with USC, but uh, Mario Cristobal and Oregon are right there battling it out here as signing day approaches. That's going to be fun to watch. He'll be announcing on ESPN. Uh, A major disappointment, Matt, was Keyshawn Green because he's a guy that Miami convinced to decommit from Florida State. Uh, They they romanced him. He came down on an official visit. And for a while, it looked like Keyshawn Green was going to be a Miami hurricane. And in the last week here, uh, visited Nebraska and committed to Nebraska. Uh, Probably one of the biggest disappointments of the recruiting year, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say if they just, all these guys are trying to close with, if they don't get any of them. They're all disappointments, you know? I mean, yeah. Keyshawn Green, he told us, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he's going to decommit from FSU and then he didn't do it. And then he did do it. And he said, two weeks ago, Miami was going to be my top choice and then goes on the official visit and winds up going somewhere else. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sort of unfathomable that he would choose, you know, Nebraska over Miami when he was so high in Miami, you know, it sounded like the official visit went okay for him. And, you know, people always like to say, you know, this or that's happening in other schools. Maybe it is, but you know, you still got to win these battles. You got to show this kid why your school is, is best for his future, you know, academically, and then getting him to the NFL and getting him ready for the NFL because that's where the money is. I mean, um, Miami's not doing that. That's just the bottom line. So it's it's a shame. Yeah. He would have been a big help.
0: There was a while where it looked like Miami was going to take Jesus Machado from Hialeah Champagnat, And that, from what I've heard, I mean, that's a kid that everybody I talk to says flat out is not even close to a Miami-level talent. And I thought one of the best things I've seen in recruiting, believe it or not, here in this last month, was Miami backing off Jesus Machado. Because we could talk all we want, and it's opinions right now that maybe the class is kind of average. Maybe some of these kids are good players, but not great difference-making players, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all open to debate right now. But the one thing that they cannot afford to do on a roster that might be a little bit deficient in great players is load up spots with guys that flat out can't play because that will have a residual effect year after year after year. And, you know, you look at guys that are on the team you know, like Tyreek Martin comes to mind, a defensive tackle who's tied up a scholarship for four years who just flat can't play. Um, you know, you just, it's hard when you have those kind of situations. And, and so I give the coaches credit in this case for backing off Jesus Machado. And, uh, it doesn't look like he's going to have an offer that he, he can commit to. And, um, he'll go on maybe to play somewhere else. Although he really didn't have any other major committable offers from anybody else. So uh I'm not sure what's well, going to happen there. I will there.
1: tell you, I mean, he, he has tweeted out. And actually I've been texting him and his coach <laughs> over the last 20 minutes which is maybe why my answer is a little short, but he just tweeted out tonight that he maybe a half hour ago, 20 minutes ago that he's um, signing tomorrow, which he had told us he was only till February in the hopes that Miami would offer in January. And he hasn't taken any visits anywhere. So I can't imagine where he's planning to sign at this point, other than Miami, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't got confirmation that Miami's offering him, so, you know, to be to be determined after I get off the call here, I'll start making some phone calls and see what I can find out, but, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any reason for Miami to rush and have him sign tomorrow if they want him. because the kid's going to come here in February. I mean, it's his dream school, so, and, and you well, may know, right. maybe he doesn't belong here, but... but if uh, they but give yeah, him a scholarship, I'll take back what I just tomorrow, said,
0: somewhere. because... You know, I haven't found anybody that that can tell me that he belongs at Miami. So no, you know, he hasn't we'll see.
1: No, he hasn't got a single major committable offer, which is I don't understand who he's signing with. So I, I Actually, his coach is responding now. He literally just texted his coach at Miami in his picture after the coach told me he's definitely signing tomorrow. And he's typing something. I got the dots, but you can move on to the next thing. I'll let you know when, when these dots are to what the coach says. <laughs> All right. Well then, let's talk. He says he says He says says Miami's in the picture, but he doesn't know if Miami's actually taking him.
0: So okay. All right. Hopefully they're not, because that to me would just you know be a really bad development if we're going to start loading up the roster with guys that can't play again. All right. Defensive back. So so I think. Um, Jaden Francois was a key recruit from day one. He he committed twice. And decommitted twice. Matt, the first question I have on this one, why is he still being recruited? I mean, I'm all for battling it out, like, you know, and fighting to the finish for recruits. But if you have a kid that's committed to you twice and decommitted, I mean, I'm done. Because that kid's not committed to playing at the University of Miami. He's not emotionally committed. He's not physically committed. The chances that he's going to come to Miami and be a great player to me, are not real high if he's walking through the door with that type of mindset to begin with. So it looks right now like he's going to pick Nebraska tomorrow. We're going to find out in the morning. We're going to go down to South Dade, and we'll be there for that announcement first thing in the morning. Um, It's really the only place where there's any drama tomorrow in in Dade County. Uh, But I'm expecting Jaden Francois to pick Nebraska. Uh, I spoke to some people in Lincoln tonight, and – they think Nebraska is expecting him to pick Nebraska, uh, so we'll see. But you know, my feeling on that one is, you know, really like kind of like good riddance. I don't like seeing guys come into a program who have decommitted from that program twice. Uh, to me, uh, that's just not not a very good look. So um, it's okay. Miami will survive if Jaden Francois doesn't come. Now, the problem, Matt, is I'm not sure. How great this recruiting hall is! You got four scholarships going out to DBs. Um, you got Brian Ballum from Miramar High, and I'm gonna going looking forward to talking to Larry Bluestein a little bit about him here in the 9:30 uh, segment of the show because um, my personal opinion from watching him is he's, he's kind of like right on the fringe of being good enough to play at Miami. Um, Marcus Clark from Winter Park, uh, a kid that we really don't know a ton about. It w- it'll be interesting to see. Jalen Harrell was committed to Florida State for a while, and then flipped to Miami. I, I think he's a decent player. We'll, we'll see how he turns out. Keyshawn Washington is a a big kid, a big, big, you know, very good-looking athlete. It's going to be interesting to see how good of a player he ends up being. Uh, you know, the thing that makes me wonder a little bit about him, Matt, is I know for a fact that he was, you know, putting his, you know. Tr- I want to use the right word here, but he was pursuing offers all over the country and, and trying to get coaches to to recruit him and didn't have an enormous amount of success in that regard. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of player Keyshawn Washington ends up being. But I think that this position would fall kind of like the other ones we've been talking about in that it's, it's okay, but, I don't think it's moving any needles in any, in, in any positive direction for Miami. Um, a couple things we should point out, Matt, is on Devontae Brown from American Heritage. Uh, tonight it's looking very likely that he's going to pick UCF over UM. Mm-hmm. um the mm-hmm. relationship that Randy Shannon had with his dad Selwyn is, looks like it's going to win over there. Um, there's a former commit, Duran Branch from Louisiana, who may or may not stick with Ole Miss uh, tomorrow and if he doesn't he might wait till February to sign and might take a UM visit in January we'll have to see what happens there um and then there's a former pit commit T Denson out of the Atlanta area who also may wait t- till February to to sign and could visit Miami in January so um we don't know what's going to happen there and then lastly but certainly not least Avante Williams um a, a pretty decent safety prospect out of Deland uh, is now going to wait until February to sign. It, it's been a Florida – he's been expected to go to Florida. But the fact that he's not signing with Florida tomorrow, um, I think you know could be a decent development for Miami if, if they want to you know go all in on Avante Williams in the month of January. Um, we'll see what happens there. But Avante is going to be one of the better players in the state of Florida that's going to be left on the board after tomorrow. So, Matt, when you put it all together, your thoughts on the defensive back recruiting, Paul?
5: Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, Banda and Rumpf have probably done more with less than um, any other position, you know. Like, I, I think you have to go all the way back to, like, probably the Tracy Howard class for a really good on-paper defensive back class. I mean, they, you know, Banda and Rumpf deserve credit for coaching the guys up that they do have and, and turning it into a good defensive backfield. You know, because every year you and I talk about, oh, my gosh, you know, defense is actually a real problem, blah, 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 blah. And every year, they, like, rate in the top 20, top 30 for, you know, uh, shutting down opposing offenses and quarterbacks. Uh, what I will say in this class is, again, it's more the same. Like, you know, okay guys, but, like, you look at the guys. I, I don't think there's another position on the entire team where Miami offered as many guys that they really recruited hard as a defensive back. And, and top guys, like, that they were in the picture for for a while, like Fred Davis, Henry Gray, Keyshawn Lawrence. Uh, they tried to get Ronald Delancey to just visit late, the local kid, and he wouldn't even visit. He was so upset that they didn't offer him earlier, you know, and that's part of the problem the whole staff's having right now is they don't, even if they offer early, they back off. They don't talk to kids for weeks at a time. And, you know, it's just like they, they've got to get that consistency going with these kids where you don't just take a break ever from recruiting. Uh, juco kids, they tried to bring in Brian George, Corian Bennett, Ronald Williams, just they weren't interested. Like, it's, it's, you know, you can, you, you, there's so many kids at DB that they really tried for and whiffed on um, that I think it's it's good that they actually have some decent talent to bring in. Uh, and I think, again, they'll continue to do more with less. Like, you bring the guys in, you coach them up, and I think they'll be okay. Um, even though maybe on paper they don't look that great, you know, based on their stars or their offers or however you want to go about it, or they're measurable. Um, but, yeah, I think the DB test is okay.
0: All right. So we've taken everybody through the class. Um it I took a little bit here, but I think everyone's pretty interested in, in, in all, all, everything that we just went through. So I, I, I hope you guys in, in enjoyed that breakdown. And now we're going to go out to the phone lines for a little bit. Matt, we'll keep you for about another 20 minutes or so, and um, we'll transition to Larry Bluestein after that. So uh, let's begin with the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening?
6: Good, Gary. How are you?
0: Oh, doing good. Doing good. Who's this, Adam?
6: Yeah, I beat Greg. Surprise, surprise. Hey, y-
0: yes, you did. You're number one. So what's up, man? What you got for us?
6: A couple things. One, I was reading on some sites that Jalen Harrell took a visit to Georgia Tech and jail and night with Florida State after they hired Norvell. Did you find anything with that? Are they wavering at all like Romelo Height obviously is, or are they just solid and don't even worry about it?
0: Matt, why don't you go ahead and take that? I don't think we've heard that they're wavering. Um, I think we heard the opposite, right?
1: Okay, wait, you're asking about Harrell, Jalen Harrell, J A L E N Harrell? No, the D B. The Y. Yeah, from so. Catholic. Where, where did you hear that he visited? Because people keep getting confused. They keep saying, like, someone posted a message board about, about Jalen Harrell and, oh my gosh, we're going to lose him. He's visiting, so and so, but they meant,
6: Uh-oh. you know, they were reading about oh, the no, other Jalen no. Harrell with a Y. No, I'm so Jay- just talking about Jalen Harrell.
1: Jalen is. Jalen Harrell with an L and no Y is coming to Miami. He's signing tomorrow, uh, if that's uh, what you're asking.
6: Oh, Okay, so there was nothing that he took a late trip to Georgia Tech. I know they were I know even were if trying he, to get even in if on Even if he
1: did, I mean, even Gregory Rousseau was talking about him today without uh, being able to mention his name. I mean, he's definitely signing with Miami tomorrow. I did not hear he took another visit, but regardless, everything I've heard is he's definitely coming to Miami. So you don't have to worry about it. And
6: then Jalen Knighton with Florida State. I had heard, obviously, they were trying to – because with their class in flux, they were trying to get him back in the class or yeah. trying to get him to take
1: a late visit.
6: What was going on there?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think FSU had tried to get him to actually come on campus for the final hours after his Miami visit on Sunday, which <laughs> is a little weird. You know, but he's got till midnight, so he certainly could have gone up there. Um, my understanding is he did not and that he was sticking with Miami. But, you know, if there is one other kid to worry about tomorrow besides Romello Hype I would still say it's Jalen Knighton, just because he's like a weird kid, man. Like, you know, I correspond with all these kids. They're, you know, they're they're usually super receptive. They'll, especially if they're interested in Miami, they'll let me know sort of what what's going on, how things are going, just in general terms. You know, like I'm not a recruiter, but like a recruiter, you know, I stay in touch with these kids to just sort of check in how things going, whatever. He's a kid who just doesn't like share what's going on in his life whatsoever, what's happening with his visits, nothing. So like, if there's one kid who I would say just because. He likes this, you know, media blackout stuff. And because he was once committed to FSU, that could be just a crazy off-the-radar decommit. commit Like, not that that's going to happen, because his coach told me it's not going to. But you just don't know what a kid like that. So if there's one kid, you know, aside from Mellow Heights, that, that could be a shocker tomorrow, I would say it's Jalen Knighton. But again, I don't expect it. It's just the fact that he won't confirm for us that he's definitely signing with Miami and that he's not considering FSU. So, like... That's all I can tell you, you know, recruiting's recruiting. This is why it's, they call it the fog of war or whatever, however Gary terms it. Yeah. you know, um, so that's all I can tell you on that one. Uh, okay. Um, and a couple more
6: things. One, um, I had read somewhere that Miami was like running neck and neck with Florida for Williams. And the fact that he is Lingard's cousin, does that give us any like a leg up or anything in that recruitment and that he was once committed when Rick was coach?
0: I don't think because so I, because yeah. – I don't, I don't think so, because if it gave, was going to give Miami an edge, it would have given Miami an edge already. And he's been committed to Oregon for, for many, many months before he decommitted last week. And, like, I don't think anybody has an edge, and that's why he's not signing tomorrow.
6: Okay. Um, and I also heard that Darnell Washington now isn't signing tomorrow. So, and I had heard briefly, so we are really in on Washington, more so than flow. It's yes, not, definitely. It's yeah. not yeah. it's not a foregone conclusion now he's gonna to go to Georgia.
0: No. No. Any if it was, was if it okay. was, he would be signing tomorrow.
6: Okay. And um what happened and this is the last thing, what happened with Romello Height? Because for the longest time, even like two days ago you were reporting, I'm going to Miami, I'm going to Miami, I'm going to Miami. Had you ever seen anything like this where a kid <laughs> tells you because this seems like one of the weirder recruits I've ever seen. Except yeah, that's the, hilarious. When, the, when Cologne signed two national letter of intent back in, I think, 2000.
1: Listen, I mean, when you've seen a mother run out with her son's letter of intent and try to run away from the school with it so he can't sign it, you've seen other stuff too. Oh, yeah, too, but Alex it's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, but this is, def- this is definitely one of the stranger ones. Like, you know, why the kid – the kid's been super straight up all throughout recruiting. Like, he just—he's a, he's a very well-spoken kid, very smart kid. And for something like this to happen, you just know he's getting pulled by some force in some way. And in this particular case, it's his father. His father literally tried to drag him out of a state title game and take him directly to Auburn, and the kid refused to go. He got in the bus after the coach told him to go with his dad up to Auburn. The kid's like, no, I'm not going. And he got in the bus and went home. Um, it seems like even though the kid's denying it, that he somehow did wind up at Auburn, probably just for the one day on Sunday. Um, you know, and again, you know, it, it's it's you gotta remember it's a teenager, and it's just it's a yeah. dad who's a big part of his life. Like it's tough. Mm-hmm. Like Eric, I always like to refer to this. Eric Winston, a lot of people don't know this. Eric Winston, when he committed to Miami, his stepfather wanted him to go to Texas A&M. His stepfather kicked Eric Winston out of the house on signing day and never let him come back. He had to live with this friend of his for the entire rest of those months until he was able to report to Miami that summer. I mean, this is not like just oh okay, dad, wow. you know, not a big deal. No, this is like family altering stuff. So, like, that's why I'm saying, you know, for Romello, Romelo, it's hard for him to tell Miami coaches, who he's formed this great bond with, listen, you know, my dad wants me to go to Auburn, I'm not coming to Miami. Like, kids don't do that. So it's very yeah. hard for him to tell us, too, publicly to report, like, oh, you know what, uh, I visited Auburn, I might go there, I'm not sure, you know, because then all hell breaks loose. You know, the dad's pissed, Miami's pissed. So, like, what are you going to say, right? So you read between the lines, he's going to go to Auburn, Um you know, um, And, by the way, as, as a Machado update, um, he's. it sounds like he's hoping to sign with Miami tomorrow, but he's not sure. <laughs> he says his coach has been talking to Miami coaches. Um, so it sounds like Machado thinks he's going to get a Miami offer tomorrow and be able to sign. But I, I think if he doesn't get a Miami offer, I still think he doesn't wind up signing tomorrow because there's nowhere else from him to sign with. So, anyway, that's your Machado update. But, yeah, so, anyway, that's how you know, Yes, it is a strange thing. But, yes, I've seen a stranger. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. I All right, Adam. Thank you.
6: All right. Oh, go ahead. Have a good one. Good. No. All right, no, Adam. No, I had heard that Machado was going to sign with Tulane. I had heard that somewhere.
4: Well, yeah. That would be I, a great development.
6: 24/7 sports.
4: That would yeah, be a great development Miami, if he signs we'll with see.
0: Tulane. You want him to sign with Tulane. <laughs> All right, Adam. Thank you very much. Okay. We'll talk to you All next right. time. Let's go out to the seven eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
7: Gary and Matt, how you guys doing this evening?
0: Right. Everything three oh five. Actually, I was hey, looking man, forward if, to your call tonight because I, I know you were up at the at the state championship games hanging out, and wow. uh, I figured you got some good stories to tell us. So go ahead, you got the floor.
7: I had some good story, but just want to talk, talk touch upon the recruiting stuff here. Man, really, really disappointing. Everything we heard up there was was just that the reality of our situation. And Matt alluded to this earlier. It doesn't matter how good a skill position guy you can get if the guys up front can't do their job or are not talented enough to be there at this level to do their job. Uh, and you compound that with the, the the inability of an office coordinator to pretty much create game plans based on what he does do well, what he doesn't do well, uh, what, it, what you can do to help everybody who has those major limitations up front. So you combine all this stuff. It's toxic what we're hearing. It's very toxic what we're hearing. Uh, what I heard last week, nothing's changed. This is getting worse. Uh, the debacle that's going to be coming up in Shreveport in a couple of days, that's going to make things even worse. Uh, for those individuals thinking that Lingard, uh, you know, because Lingard is here, we got a shot with the Von. We got no shot with that kid. We got no shot. We might have two kids flipped tomorrow. What I'm hearing right now is Jalen Knight is decommitting and it's flipping back to Florida State. I uh, heard that like an hour ago. I'm like, this can't continue to be uh, our day here because Romello's gone now to Auburn. We're going to lose Knight tomorrow. Um, you know, I just hope nothing else pops up tomorrow. Uh, but that's what we're hearing right now. He's, he's, he's flipping right back. Matt, you mentioned the kids a little bit. Uh, he's kind of uh, reserved in terms of what he shares and doesn't share with you guys. What he's done with your relationship over the past year Communicating with you Hasn't been that open But uh, we're hearing right now he's flipping back To Florida State um, He did not get up there For whatever reason but uh, it, It's weird because if you look at everything That Xavier Restrepo has been tweeting And texting uh, He's trying to push right now Pretty hard he's put a bunch of photos up there With him And Jalen Uh so I, I don't know guys. I'm getting a I'm getting a bad feeling about that. That that's going to be number 2 that uh, flips tomorrow. Uh with regards to Machado, his coach uh, Hector uh put something up about 40 minutes ago, Matt, which is a Cuban flag. He did the same Cuban flag. Uh I think it was Saturday or Sunday and we were laughing about it up at the press box, uh well, the coaching box up there at the uh, uh the trash Powell stadium at Daytona, <laughs> that's what it looked like, but um, yeah, so supposedly uh we're reading that maybe you know maybe he does have a committable offer right now, which would make no sense to me, given the fact that you have a kid in the secondary who's who's really green, really raw, but he's so athletic, and Gabriel Taylor out of Gulliver, I mean, that's the type of kid out, and i I don't mind investing in a scholarship in a kid like that, not because of legacy or anything like that, the kid's athletic uh and it's just figuring things out he's very raw you know those diamonds in the rough that we've been we've always been able to go out there and find and develop in two or three years that kid definitely has um the makings of someone that could be special at the next level that can develop into something special but uh yeah, well, uh, tell you, last,
1: yeah. he's a little small for a safety by the way but and yeah with Machado by the way he, he does say if Miami doesn't come through with an offer he'll sign with to tomorrow but he's hoping Miami will offer so anyway, yeah,
0: go ahead. Hey, I just um, yeah, I just I, checked in with the guys up at War Chant in Tallahassee, and uh, there is no scuttlebutt up there about Jalen Knight flipping back to Florida State. So we'll see if you're right about this one. Everything, I'll give you props. Amen.
7: Hey, man, well, I hope not. I don't want to be right. Well, yeah, to, I was gonna say to we'll give you
0: we'll give you props for knowing it's gonna happen in advance, but but there's there's no scuttlebutt right now that that is in the works. You, you know,
1: you guys oh, Machado says. By the way, Machado, just for the people out there listening who are following us. Uh, now he tells us that Miami coaches are supposed to call his coach at 9 or 10 tonight to let him know if he's going to get an offer tomorrow. So um, if if he doesn't get the offer, he's going to sign with Tulane. He's trying to, I guess, push Miami into offering him before they want him because they're going to evaluate him again in January to see where they're at. So we'll see what happens. So, but where did you get where this where night in River. the situation?
0: Where would you get this night rumor from, everything?
7: Good friend of mine. An AAU coach of mine, good friend of mine. Uh, You know, I I mentioned with you uh, the the information I got uh, with regards to uh, Selwyn's kid. Um, And and I don't understand, man. Maybe you could clarify here. We saw this kid all year shut down, guys. What took so damn long for us to offer him?
0: I mean, it depends how good of a player you think he is. Like, I don't, I, you know, we'll ask. I'll, I'll make a note and I'll ask Larry Bluestein to talk about that a little bit. You know, he, 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 I know has watched that kid quite a bit. Um, but it just depends. I mean, it, it to me, it goes back to the same thing. Like, are they recruiting elite players? Is, is he an elite player? Like, that's to me the question. And if they didn't offer him early, that hopefully that's the reason why. And uh, you know, I don't know. I can't. You know, beyond yeah, that, I can't I explain it.
7: I, I understand it, but if you, you can't offer entire, everybody, you can't offer everybody. But I, I'm going back to the summertime when I told you guys something's wrong here with what we're doing. So many offensive linemen early on that dynasty commits, and then all these other kids start committing elsewhere. I mean, look at all the offensive linemen here, and we've done nothing with them, and we weren't offering. And, and, and Matt, you mentioned earlier that. The techniques that are involved, the requirements of the recruiting game. We suck at it. Mike Rump is a great teacher. There isn't a better guy out there. There isn't a better guy out there that can teach how to play corner. Ain't a better guy out there in America. But he does not go ahead and do his job and kiss a kid's ass day in and day out. And I told you, Gary, while back, I spoke to him about it. I just you don't want to play here? I don't have time for you. That doesn't work, guys. Th- this is not the 90s. We're not in the early 2000s. You've got to pretty much, for, for a better term, you've got to freaking make love to these kids every day over the phone or via the text or whatever. you got to kid. it. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you something. Let me
1: ask you Hold on. Let me ask you something. Do you, do you think that's Mike Rump's fault or is that the head coach's fault for not realizing this guy doesn't want to recruit and maybe make it a co-DB coaches with Banda, let Banda handle the main recruiting with, with uh, Rump taking a secondary role and letting Rump coach the hell out of the guys. Cause he is a great cornerbacks coach. How about that? I mean, like I, I got no problem with a great coach who doesn't like to recruit or doesn't, you know, doesn't like to kiss ass and just tell kids how it is. Like, I got no problem with that, but a head coach Matt, needs to realize that's the guy I got Matt, and he needs to be able to fix it, you know, some other way.
7: Matt, you, Matt, you can't have six of your assistant coaches that way. Well, well you're, right. you're
1: right. You're right. You're right, and they do. You, He's right. You're you right about you that. You're right about that, for you sure. Can't. But Banda's not you're bad. I think Banda is personable. I think, I think Steve Field's personable to the point that those two guys can relate to the kids. That's my point S E B. They have Banda, who is very relatable. Yeah, I, I, I just I, I don't see this getting
7: better. And, and sad, what's sad here is we're going to have a decent class. Maybe a top 15, top 20 class at worst. All these kids, they're going to have no continuity day in and day out of what they're doing. Because what we've seen for the last year is anything but continuity, is anything but assistance, is anything but strategic, you know, a plan day in and day out. So recruiting, it's, it's, it's all been the same. They've sucked at every facet of the game. So even if you get good kids or decent kids and you can't develop them in two years, it's too late. We're behind another three or four years of Florida. I mean, Florida's taken over the entire state.
4: <laughs> Guys, it's just a it's sad. Florida. Florida
0: is having a great recruiting year. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're stepping into the sort of hole that's being left by Miami and and Florida State, and they are running with it. And uh, I give Mullen and those guys the, the, nothing but credit. It, it, it's like two years ago, they were on the opposite side of the fence. Like they were they were where Miami and Florida State are right now, and, and they have totally flipped the tables. And uh, great job by then. And the onus is on Miami to flip it back. And well, you're not going to be able to ago. do it. By, by keeping business as usual, in my opinion.
7: Well, three years ago on National Signing Night, flipped out, and you got upset at me. And you said, hey, I don't have time for this. It's signing day. And I said, no. This day today marks a, a sad state for our program. When Mike Rump went off on, on Mr. Henderson at that bowl game, and the next day that kid was gone, trying to teach him a life lesson, trying to give him life advice, you got to keep kissing that kid's freaking ass. That kid comes here, You has got a locked down corner for three years. That kid's going to be a first-round pick.
2: Yep. That kid
7: was, was definitely decommitted for what reason? Wasn't sure. But he didn't need that incident with Mike Ruck. Man, everything right, else has fallen that way. Give
0: us, give us something else, good. One
7: major corner give, that we
0: give us something good, man. What, what what did you see up in up in Daytona that you felt was good?
7: I saw a lot of speed. I saw a lot of young speed for our, our South Florida teams. I'm talking to kids from Northwestern. Man, they, Gary, those sophomores—they're fast as hell. Um, there's a big offensive lineman who's—I I think he was moved up from JV, played half the snaps in the second half. I like that kid a lot. Fifth guard, a little bit of tackle. I really like what I'm seeing with our. There's a ton of talent down here, and I and I and I'll say this: the speed. I haven't, seen this. I haven't seen South Florida kids play this fast in a long time. There's a lot of young speed out there. And I'm just hoping. I mean, we saw a few people out there, but I didn't see enough guys that are hungry that want to go ahead and get guys signed. You know, And that's sad because I could see you know, six, seven coaches from other schools the week before. I don't see hardly anybody out there now. This is ridiculous. We have no idea what the hell we're doing. This guy had no business being named the head coach, and you know what? I don't even think Alonzo can fix this best recruiting wise. It's so it's
4: so screwed up, guys. It's he could help, he help a lot.
0: He could help a lot. He could change the entire personnel department. And if Manny is going to fail ten months down the road, at least that part of the program can be in a much better place. So we'll see what happens. All right, everything. Thank wow. you for being part of the show, man. Guys, take care. Thanks for doing. You got it, man. Um, all right, man. I'm going to let you run. Because uh, I know you got right. some phone calls to, and things to check on. Yes,
1: I do. Any uh,
0: part? Yes, any do. parting thoughts?
1: Parting thoughts. Um, good luck with all these callers complaining about the class. <laughs> <laughs> you got your work cut out for the next hour and a half or so. But uh, you know, I mean, look. At the end of the day, this is not the way Miami needs to recruit. This is not the way the re- the type of recruiting staff Manny Diaz needs. I'm sure he's aware of that. And if they don't make changes, it's not going to last very long, you know, so they need to get the right people in place and uh, uh, there's going to be too much outrage. Otherwise next phone's out. All
0: right. Well, um, we'll have coverage for everybody starting bright and early. I, I, I know I've got my alarm set for about 6am and going to be making that drive down to uh, South Dade. We'll see what Mr. Francois does. Um, if you want to watch that, hopefully we'll be able to show it live. Uh, you, on our on our Twitter so uh, we'll see what happens there and uh it'll be the usual big day Matt will be uh working the cave and uh and we'll be uh trying to bring you those uh those those signing announcements as as they happen so uh Matt uh thanks as always for uh for your input tonight and uh sure you and I are going to be talking a lot tomorrow
1: oh yeah okay I'll talk to you in the morning
0: all right have a great night all right guys before we continue here I got to take a moment to talk about my favorite Italian restaurant by now. You certainly know the name and that of course is Sicilian oven. And, uh, my son, one of my sons lives out of town and came home this week and loves pizza. I said, son, you got to try some Sicilian oven. I went out, I bought about four pies from the plantation location, brought them home. And, uh, Needless to say, he's uh, gained a few pounds in the last couple of days, wolfing down all those Sicilian Oven pizzas. And um, you all know how many hundreds of pizza places there are throughout South Florida where you can go and eat some pizza and occasionally some Italian food too. But there's no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has those six locations throughout South Florida. The closest one to me, is the one I talk about going to a lot. And that's the one in plantation go for lunch all the time. I love their pizza lunch specials and um, at Sicilian oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. Um, Many of those recipes have been handed down from generations through the Salvo and Garavuso families. They begin with classic pizzas with traditional toppings but they expand much further to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you're going to find at those pizza chains like Domino's and Papa John's and, uh, and those guys. A lot of people absolutely love chicken wings. Well, Sicilian Oven's wood-fired wings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and are served with caramelized onions. Sicilian Oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes From eggplant, camponato, and parmigiana, to mussels, Mario, to fire-roasted shrimp palermo, which is one of my favorites. That's a really good dish. They have soups, sandwiches, salads, pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you will find something great at Sicilian Oven with six locations throughout South Florida. There's a plantation location, Fountains Complex, off University Drive. The Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. Um, The Lighthouse Point location at the shops. At Beacon Light, new outdoor dining area there, the uh, Coral Springs location, Stample Road and 101st, the Boca Raton location, and that location on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale, where they have a full liquor bar. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian Oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. No matter who the Canes get in recruiting tomorrow, you will not only love the taste, you will also taste the love. And uh, obviously, thanks Sicilian Oven for being part of Cane Sport Live this entire season. Now, before I introduce him, let me see if he's la- landed yet uh, in our queue which he is not. So I'm going to go on to the next phone call, but we're going to be joined momentarily by Mr. Larry Bluestein, the mayor of South Florida high school football, and i going to get his input and opinions on uh, this class and rec- South Florida re- recruiting in general. But first let's go out to the eight, four, five, where you're live on Canes Sport five. I believe this is Greg. How are you doing this evening, Greg?
8: Good. How are you, Gary?
0: Doing great. Doing
8: great. Uh, say say hello to Larry for me. He knows me. Tell him Greg from New York. He'll know who uh, I am. Anyway, all right, listen. I compare Manny Diaz to Nero. The Miami program is on fire, burning to the ground. He's just watching it burn. How the hell can we only have two offensive linemen committed? From the first day, we gave up 10 sacks, and we gave up nine the last day. How could we not have at least five offensive linemen committing tomorrow? It's an absolute travesty. Where's the juke goes? Where's anybody who can block?
0: I'm going to hope, Greg, that they're going to hit the transfer portal. You know, that, that, you know, that's what I'm going to hope right now because the, you're absolutely right, it's not good enough not even close, what, you know, what we're going to see tomorrow, Jalen Rivers is a nice player, uh, hmm. they needed five of those guys
8: okay, first my next point, Jalen Knighton is not going to Florida State I'm guaranteed
0: don't, I, I don't believe that's correct either
8: okay, my last, last point, everyone you're raving about Stephen Field Stephen Field has committed no one to the University of Miami. Not a single player. He had relationships with these two players from Oregon. Okay, so he got them down here to visit. That what? What is that doing for Miami football? They come to let visit.
0: Ask, let me ask you a question. Who? What other coach okay. on the staff is 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 in the game for an elite player?
2: No, He's the only. He, he, were, he recruited.
0: Too. Well, he recruited two elite players and there's not one guy on the staff that recruited one.
8: I understand, but he didn't so why would I not give him props. Why would I not give so. him credit?
0: Greg, why would I not give him some credit for that? It, it, it's like it, it's so refreshing to see Miami swinging for the fences to get players that that if they can win, can come into this program and, and make a difference. Can you know, there's no impact talent on this roster right now. None. He's the only coach that, took, that, that, that went outside of Dade County and, and took a shot at a top-shelf football player. And I give him credit for it. It's not easy. It's a lot of work. It's frustrating. They may not get either one of them. And all that work that he put in to get those, try to get those two kids might end up being for naught. But you know what? At least there's somebody who's out there willing to do the work and is out there fighting. And I do give him credit for that.
8: Uh, did you know that Greg Rousseau was going to be a great player? He wasn't a highly, highly recruited player.
0: I did the minute I, so you, I looked at him. I knew he had that kind of potential. But I understand what you're, okay. the point you're trying to make, and, and, and it's well taken. I mean, some of these guys that we don't think might be elite players could develop into elite players. But on the face value, and we're going to talk to Larry Bluestein. A, a lot about that momentarily uh, on the face of it and i'm expecting larry to kind of agree with me in a lot of cases the the level of recruiting isn't good enough to take this program to where it needs to go you cannot win anything at miami greg if you can't go beat clemson
8: i understand it but number 10 in, in recruiting, recruiting in football, that does trans translate in. to six and six that, that doesn't translate to six and six. Something's not being developed. We had a top six class two years ago. Why, why are we six and six? Come on, get rid of these. Because, top because, because these obviously, obviously, Greg,
2: <laughs>
0: Greg, obviously there's more problems than just the recruiting issue that I'm talking about. There, there are definitely, without question, more problems than that. You know that.
8: Got three quarterbacks that are nut jobs on the team. Get rid of them all. We don't need them. They stink. Oh, I gotta <laughs> let you go talk to Larry. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> all
0: right, Greg. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna bring Larry Bluestein into the uh, into the the fray here um, now. And uh, those of you know who know don't know Larry. Uh, the guy that I call the absolute mayor ambassador, you can give him any tag that you would like of uh, South Florida high school sports, um, a guy that I've known for, you know, going on, God, probably almost four decades now, and um, there was once a day when he actually was our recruiting writer for Kane Sport, believe it or not, but he's, uh, he's gone on to, to, to bigger and brighter horizons, uh, and uh, Larry, thank you so much for coming Onto the show this evening and uh, sharing your thoughts
9: with everybody. No problem, Gary. It's uh, it's great to be here and I I kind of get spirited listening to fans like that. I mean, you know, he, um, for the time I was listening, he had some points. <laughs> he had well, some that, points, it, but...
0: that was great. I don't know, Greg. That his name's Greg and he 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 said that he knows you and that you would know who he is. Um, Greg from okay. up. Um, so I don't know if you do or not, but uh, he he said you and hear old buddies. So you know,
9: he, yeah, yeah, you know well, what sounded if... pretty passionate. So you know what, and and that's I'm I'm glad to hear that from fans. You know because that's what they need, and those are the hardcore fans. And certainly, I mean, but you know, I did hear him talk about Greg Russo. Um, they knew he was real talented. I mean, you know, they wouldn't have spent five hours watching him in a spring uh, jamboree if they didn't, and, and and you know, but they they probably didn't know what position he was going to settle in on, you know, at the
2: mm-hmm. at the
9: time they brought him in. Remember, he was I think when uh, when Banda and I guess um, whoever was the defensive line coach passed, uh, not maybe it was Searles who came to see him, but. Um, they were looking at him at four different positions. So he was just tight end at wide receiver at safety because he hadn't filled out yet, but I, I but certainly he's found his position. He's going to be one of the better ones for the next couple of years. But, you know, Gary, I, I heard what you said at the tail end and, and you're a hundred percent right. You can't, you can't elevate your program by just getting guys, you know, I mean, you've got to get marquee kids and, and, and using Clemson as a, you know, as a barometer, certainly. I mean, that's the program you have to conquer, you know, to, to, especially in your own conference, uh, to, you know, to be that elite team. You just can't get guys where you're, you know, fighting UCF and, and, uh, you know, and schools of that nature for you've got to be in it with Alabama. You've got to be in it with Florida. You've got to be in it with a lot of schools that are a top 10 team right now, or you're just going to be mired in the same, you know, you know, and it's not a secret and it really isn't. And certainly it's not all about recruiting. It's a lot about getting the kids on and, and, and developing them and teaching. And, And there's certainly a lot of reasons why, they're a top, as he said, a top team, ten team and and being six and six, uh, you have to develop these kids, and they've got to be taught and uh yeah, they're getting kids, but uh they're not getting enough of them, and that's the whole thing and and that's certainly why uh they don't win line of scrimmage wars and uh, because they don't have the depth,
0: yep, so there's so much that you and I have to talk about tonight i want to try to get to as many of the topics as possible but i wanted to start sure. with you by I'm, I'm going to play rapid fire with you we matt, okay. matt schodell and i went through the recruiting class and we gave our opinions i want to play rapid fire with you here because i know you've watched these kids and just sure. give us a quick a quick opinion on uh, on these guys and i'll, I'll start with don cheney jr the running back from miami belen
9: a lot of potential um he's got to feel his way into the into a big-time program because he was at a small program. um, And everything that he's earned, he's done himself. Tremendous athlete, seven-foot high jumper, three-time state champion, um, really good running instincts, a great teammate. Um, He's the type of guy that's going to get on there. Uh, He won't elevate you at the beginning, but I think over time he will.
0: Jalen Knighton.
9: Another kid with a lot of potential. He, The only thing that bothers me is he hasn't really gotten it done against marquee teams. Twice against Columbus, twice against St. Thomas. Uh, they seem to pretty much target him. And unlike what Parrish did in the state championship game against Apopka where they shut him down 10 carries, 24 yards, he found a way to hurt Apopka another way by catching the ball 11 times, scoring two touchdowns. That's what Jalen Knighton has to do. He has to come up with another uh, another thing in his arsenal to be a complete back. He's got potential. He's going to have to really prove it to me right now.
0: Did Miami make the right decisions taking Chaney and Knighton over Parrish? Yeah,
9: I guess. You know, I mean, they did for right now. I mean, I think it's going to prove out. Um, that they should have pursued Parrish a lot harder at the beginning. You know, he's a kid who reminds me, and don't get it out of context, he's not Marcus Allen, but he reminds me of that type of back. You don't get a good shot at him. Kind of slithers, he glides. Uh, He doesn't look like he's working real hard to do what he does. Um, I think in given time, he's going to put on more weight. He's going to be tough. Um, but no, I'm 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 happy with Jalen Knighton, and I'm happy with Chaney. I mean, I'm happy with Cheney. Um, but they have to reach their potential, uh, and both of them certainly have a lot a lot to learn before they're you know they're not kids that are gonna you're gonna be able to plug plug in like Georgia did with Nick Chubb and guys like that uh, like Buck, you know like Gurley said like Rick did with Gurley and Chubb, it's not gonna happen. They're just not that type of backs. They're gonna have to work hard to to get better.
0: Michael Redding.
9: A tremendous athlete. One of, the, one of the guys I like the, the most in this class. He's a kid that could make an impact in year one. Um, not major, but certainly show that he's ready to, to contribute by year two. Xavier Restrepo. You're going to get a billion percent out of this kid on and off the field. Awesome student in the classroom, 4.0 GPA, knows how to play safety, can be a kick returner. Uh, deceptive speed. People look at him. oh, he's slow. No, he's deceptive. Um, great athlete. Uh, he could help you. He's got tremendous hands. He's never going to take him 90 yards for you, but he's going to get you those 10 and 15 yards that, that you certainly need out of a slot.
0: Dominic Memorelli.
9: Potential unlimited. Um, covered his dad in high school at South Broward. His dad was a kicker. This kid has just been coached so well by Bill Kramer at Naples. Kid could, I think, not in year one, but maybe year two, middle of year two, could start asserting himself as a talent.
0: Todd Hartley told me he thought he was the best tight end prospect in the country back as a junior when he was started recruiting him. So yeah. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can become that kind of player. You know, we talked yeah. talk a little bit about developing and things like that. He's a kid that potentially could be developed.
9: No doubt, and he's, he's an intelligent kid. Football IQ is very high too, which which really helps.
0: Jalen Rivers.
9: I like him. Uh, you know, is he a big time kid? Time will tell. But he certainly has the work ethic. He's a a big strong kid. Um, I see him at a guard maybe eventually. Um, I know that they're bringing him, I guess, as a tackle. But um, I just think the thing that's going to separate him, he, he he his his passion to play and his passion to learn, and I think that's what what Miami needs more of. Um, is he a kid that could play at a Clemson, Alabama? Yeah, he could, he could. Um, I just think that Miami, uh, this is where Miami's offensive line is going to have to take some time to develop a kid like that, not push him into play. Uh, they've done mm-hmm. that too much. Miami's got to get out of that mold of, of taking these kids, the uh, Duke Johnson's and the, and the Tracy, uh, uh, you know, back in the day where they have to push these kids into play where they really need to sit back and watch and learn.
0: Miami needed to get more than just one guy. Um, we okay. you know, we don't know a ton about Chris Washington from Nashville. Um. But, you know, I talked about earlier in the show that I was a little concerned because he's a kid from Nashville and Tennessee wasn't very yeah. hot after him. And that, that to me, throws a, a, a little bit of a red flag up. But, yeah, uh, it
9: does. you know, your he, thoughts. But I, I think he has a chance, though, Gary. I mean, it, here's a kid who says, you know, yeah, he's not a marquee kid. And that's the thing. People are going to have to understand that if Miami's going to get to that, if you want Miami to be a 7-5, 6-6 six, six type of team. These type of classes are good, but if you want them to get in the 9-10 and 10 win category and maybe 11th win in, 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 the, in the Coastal Division and then maybe a 12th win in a bowl game, you've got to elevate your recruiting to the point where I don't care if you're rated 10th. Who are they rated 10th by? You see, that's what I'm saying. I actually see these kids, and I know how they can contribute. Sometimes you just watch film, and you say, well, this kid did real well against this team, and you don't really know. I just think there's a lot of things that people have to understand about recruiting. And one of them is, can these kids transition to that big-time football? They're good where they're at, and that's fine if they want to be UCF or USF. But this is Miami. And, and if Miami has that aspirations to be that power five power, you know, to, to win the ACC every year and be in the contention with Clemson to knock heads every single year, then they've got to elevate the the recruiting to the point where these kids are big time prospects that there's no brainers. You could plug them in as soon as they get here, if you need. And that's what Alabama gets, you know, that's what Clemson gets. That's what Ohio state gets. But, but I, I think in a, in a case of offensive line, to me, I would have taken six offensive linemen if I could. And that's where my emphasis would have been. I know, I know they, you know, I mean, I know that when they're listening to me and everything, well, he doesn't know we try. Well, you know, trying maybe not be good enough if you're going to end up potentially a 6-7 team. I mean, it's unacceptable is what it well, is. Well,
0: here's the thing that gets me, okay? You have, you have a very challenged position on the roster, okay? You don't have guys. You've made a million mistakes. You have, you're loaded up with guys that can't play. When you're hiring an offensive line coach, and, and and I you know I talk about first-time head coaches all the time. I, I I hate first-time head coaches because they make a million mistakes. You can't avoid all the mistakes they're going to make. But if right. you're hiring an offensive line coach, and you're in the position that they are in, how do you not hire an elite recruiter to be your offensive line coach? I, I don't yeah, that would, know how you make it. That would be, my, make first
9: it, that would yeah. be my first priority. Yeah. When when you're in the interviewing process, and you know I'm sure. Whether is Blake James is in on these interviews, I'm sure he may be. I don't know. No, he's but not. If he he's is, not involved at all. Well, if he's not, yeah. Well, here's the thing that I would say if I'm Blake James to to Manny: goes, listen. What you need out of these coaches, you need proven recruiters. I mean, you know, you could get a ton of people that know the X's and O's of how to, you know, blocking schemes and, and things like that. But the intangible is how they recruit. And you look at some of the top lines around the country. Yeah, sure, Alabama's and Clemson sell themselves because of the type of players they have. But somebody had to start the ball rolling, you know, and, 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 and certainly Miami, that would be my priority. Uh, you know, I mean, they they get a guy from the NFL, which is fine for the X's and O's. And you and I talk about Barry all the time. Um, you know, what type of recruiting experience has he had? And that would be my, you know, my big uh, obstacle there. Because, yeah, yeah, he, he knew about, you know, he knows how to coach. And he knows his schemes, and he knows this and that. But get some players, get some marquee kids, go out there and sit in some living rooms, and go out. You know, I mean, I, I, you look at some of the great coaches, like LSU's got tremendous offensive line coaches, and I see them. I, in fact, I saw them firsthand at the St. Thomas game when they, when they were recruiting Marlon Martinez and and also um, Doomerville. And you watch how they work, and you just watch what they look for during the course of a game, and the way they are, and. Those you know Miami coaches, and not just Miami coaches, but a lot of coaches can learn from those guys, and that's why it's not so bad, you know. To you know, to when you're when you're looking for these coaches, like you said, can you recruit? I mean, can you can you? And to me, a lot of you when you come from the NFL, and you've spent what three, four, five years, let's say, at the NFL, how much recruiting have you done? You know, and and that's my big point and you make up a you make a tremendous point that people don't think of gary uh, it's all about it's all about recruiting at this level you know i mean anybody can take a kid if they know how you know how to about the offensive line, and they've been around it, and they know the blocking schemes. You could take the kid and elevate him a little bit, but wouldn't you want to have a kid like you know, like the kid Leatherwood, or like some of these guys that come in and they're six six and three twenty, and they've you know they've got a lot of skill level and they're elite type of kids. It's a lot easier to work with them. So yeah, I th- I think that needs to be addressed when you're hiring any coach, but basically because of Miami's deficiency on the offensive line, and they improved, and we watched, and I tell you and I talk. I mean, they improved, but still their run blocking is one of the worst in the country. And it still no doubt. remains that that these kids are still five yards back. Well, you know, they're getting the offensive line on running plays are getting pushed five yards back. And, I, and we talk about that every time we're down on the sideline. And I tell you that, and I say, listen, I've talked to people, you know, who have done this for a long time. And they watch Miami's blocking, and poor Cameron – and you know, Cameron Harris was five starts five yards back, so he has to work his butt off just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Just to and get back to the line the of scrimmage. scrimmage. Yeah, exactly, and that's the well, way it shouldn't be.
0: Here's the problem, and you know, now that they just went six and six, let's yeah. assume that Manny put together the best staff that he could coming out of the gate. Yeah, and and, and uh-huh. that was his best. That was his best shot coming out of the gate. Now he just went six and six. Everybody knows he's on the hot seat next year. What is, what elite recruiter is going to come now to Miami and join this coaching staff? Like, you know, those guys are in big demand. Like, how yeah. is he going to go out and get a guy that's going to come in and make a difference in recruiting?
9: Yeah, no, it's not going to be easy. It's just well, then you're talking about the same thing with players do players want to come into a situation where you're potentially going to be six and seven and your last three losses were to FIU Duke and Louisiana tech. I mean, and, and you're supposed to be a program that is, you know, I mean, you look, I mean, were they a better team three years ago? I mean, and, and it, I mean, you look at it, they I would argue, been a yes. Better, yes. I was going to say they're a better, they were a better team three years ago than they are now. And that's not how it should be because you still have a nucleus. You know, you still have a nucleus of that coaching staff still around including your head coach who was a defensive coordinator. And that's what I'm saying. I don't know how this has gotten to this point because certainly if you ask me at the beginning of the year, there's no way I thought Miami would be six and seven, six and six or six and seven. There's just no way. It just didn't seem if you look at the schedule and next year just as just as cakewalk of a schedule at home, and, yeah. And to me, and if you do this same thing again next year, then you press the reset button going into a year where you play Alabama and Notre Dame, and you see, damn, what's going to happen? It's going to be four or five years before this this program starts, you know, starts to show something of a positive nature. So that's the thing that gets me a little bit that they've kind of like, you know, they've been they've been average average at best and and I don't I don't understand if you're you know if, to me and, and I'm not going to heap everything on Blake James but he is the he's the boss and to he, me he's made
0: him he's, he's to me Larry he's he's made himself the problem because I think he's totally out of touch with what's going on in this program uh totally out of touch with what what this program needs and it led him to make what I felt was a mistake you know no nothing personal with Manny um but Man- Manny's never been a recruiter he he's never he doesn't have a track record for a- elite recruiting at any point in his 20 years as a defensive coordinator um he's always been a you know run of the mill defensive coordinator without any great winning on his resume he's been fired um you know at times and things like that i mean uh, there was no reason to give him the keys to this program in the state that it's in. Like, it, it, I mean, yeah. th- th- this thing calls for a killer right now. And, like, my feeling is, like, don't, I'm not worried about hurting feelings right now or whatever. I'm, like, if I'm Blake James, I'm sitting there saying, I got to get some killers in this building. Um, one of yeah. the things that came up, and I'd be curious to know your opinion on this because um i've been a broken record on it um alonzo highsmith vp player personnel for the cleveland browns 20 years in the nfl and personnel has been, been around great programs great players knows what a great football player looks like has sent word to blake james through intermediaries that he would be interested that in coming down to miami and heading up the resurrection of miami football and using all his years of expertise and, and doing everything he can do to get Miami football headed back in the right direction. Um, I look at it and I say he can approve the acquisition of personnel immediately by yeah. reestablishing protocols on who you're recruiting. And you know making sure that if you're going to recruit a kid and offer him to come play at Miami, that he does fall into that classification that you and I have been talking about of being a potential Difference maker that can help you go and compete with the Clemsons of the world. Um, they right. haven't had protocols like that, Larry, since Butch Davis was here. Okay.
10: Yeah. Um, no, I agree. And,
0: and Alonzo could come right in. He could rebuild. He could bring in. He knows every Italian talent evaluator out there. He could bring in some good talent evaluators, get them working in recruiting, and help the coaches identify the kids that they should be going after. He could do that immediately, even if you have to keep Manny. And, and give him another shot in year two. that's one thing Alonzo can do immediately. Um, you and I have talked quite a bit. They don't have anybody that can recruit the Miami inner city. At least Sorry. our kids and their families are on campus. They can go sit down in Alonzo highsmith 's office. Um, he's well respected. Yeah, yeah by everybody in South Florida, in the South Florida football community. I think it would enormously help their relationships with the high school coaches, the youth league coaches. Um, I think it would pay massive dividends, you know, right, right there alone. I think he would help them in identifying and luring good young coaches. I mean, I could go on and on of all the benefits that I think Alonzo Highsmith would, would have in coming into the University of Miami football program. He's a phone call away, Larry. He he has made it clear that at the snap of a finger, all Blake James has to do is call, and he'll be on the next flight. Your thoughts on the impact that somebody like Alonzo Highsmith could make as an administrator of Miami football?
9: Oh, no-brainer. And everything that you illustrated is 100%. And this is what I'm saying. Name me a college football coach now that hasn't coached at a regular school. Okay, Justin Fuente was at Memphis. Norville cut his teeth at Memphis. You look at all these guys. You, to just take a Power 5 job like this with no prior experience, you know, I mean, that to me is – and you look at uh, Alonzo Highsmith. I mean, yeah, no, he's never been a head coach. But what he has been is somebody who's evaluated personnel. And I think that's the – that to me is such a huge aspect of this program that needs to be filled because – and I'll tell you why. And it's, it's so important for all the reasons that you brought up just now, Gary. This guy has – you know how many contacts he has? Do you know how oh many my God. people that he – do you know how many people that he knows just from scouting, been around offensive line coaches, D-line coaches, linebacker coaches, coordinators? He knows – everybody so to me if he and man are talking and go hey we need an offensive line coach with some experience and some you know like i got one i got two i got three you know when i was at when arizona state i was talking with this guy and this guy's a brilliant guy he you know that's what i'm saying we don't there's not enough of utilizing the you know which you have and that's listen he would be such a key hire to this program. I can't even tell you. And I talked to, you know, I've known Alonzo since he played, like you. I mean, you know, we you remember. I mean, I'm talking about a Columbus, you know, back in the day with Shula and Bonacati and that 81 team that played up against Pensacola, Woodham. Listen, I, re, I followed his career. I talked to him a lot. Brilliant man. And his, like I said, Gary, his contacts alone, just the people that he could pick up the phone, you know, he, he, we need this guy. We need that guy. And, and think about how many people he can rely on who he trusts to help evaluate kids in different areas of the country that we don't have now. They don't even remotely have now. And, and, and it, you know, I mean, they have to do their own recruiting. And there's, you know, you know as well as, excuse me, you know, you know as well as I do. It's just not working. Um, yeah, he would be. I mean, if, if what you say is true, because I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard. Yeah, you know, it's
0: true. No, I've been I've something. been on this so, since yeah. October. It's it's one hundred percent true. And um, yes. some very influential people in the university community have 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 been in Blake James's ear about it and brought it to his attention and and I don't understand um, it then because, and 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 and, and, and sense. Blake has not pulled the trigger and and he's he's almost like made it. Pretty close to knowing that he probably will not pull the trigger, and I don't get it. And uh, I think that, that, go ahead, you know, I just, I think it's a huge
11: mistake.
9: I think he was, he probably deemed it as he was somebody would be stepping on Manny's toes. But if you go into this with the same ideas, we want what's best for the program. We want to build this program. So there couldn't be any stepping on toes because you're going to collaborate on everything. Manny and him would talk. Listen, you know, he could say, hey, listen, I, you know, this guy's a pretty good coach, but you know what? We could do better. We could do better, Manny, and let's do better, you know, or we're going to be in this – we're going to be mired in this. And, you know, and people say, well, you're not giving Manny a chance. You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like it's not really – if he just came from – let's say he came from Temple. Uh, yeah he gets a longer kind of a leash, but he 's been around this program for what five years now, four or five years four Come years it's not yeah it 's not like he just arrived here, so he knows w- what 's going on and that 's the one thing I never understand about people you know uh, all of a sudden this guy's going to take over and he 's going to change things well what the hell were you doing before biting your tongue when Mark Rick was there when knowing your job was at stake to me that 's one thing that I never can understand you if you you're a defensive coordinator, speak up, speak up. If you have something to say, if you feel uncomfortable, that uncomfortable when you can't open your mouth around a Mark Richter or whoever, then this is not a job for you. It's all about communication, and it's all about working for the same goal. That's why I can't understand. Blake James, you've got to bring in what you believe, Is going to be the best combination to win football games, and if Alonzo Highsmith's it, you know what? There can't be any reason that you would feel anybody's going to bruise their egos. There can't be any egos. You're six and six. You know, you're two years at six and six, and and that's what I'm trying to say. I in a second, Gary. That would be that would be without hesitation. If that was the truth, that he would come, I would. I, I don't know what's what's keeping him because he would be a great director of football operations and correct and, and, and manage g m be innovative processor.
0: give yeah be innovative yeah. give him a- make him the g m of miami football like run your I run your program like football. an n f l franchise
9: and and you know what the results would be would be so apparent over a two-year period, what he's done, you know, and I agree. I mean, it's not like, oh, yeah, you know, Alonzo's been sitting at home and uh, sitting some cold ones and stuff. He's been he's been on the battle lines for the last 10 years. Uh, last How about the years. high school
0: coaches? How about the high school coaches They'd of like, South Florida? Yeah. When, would they embrace him?
9: <laughs> you think? Instant respect. Instant respect. <laughs> instant. Resp- and, instant. You know, yeah, because a lot of guys remember when he played. You know, in in college, and and remember when he played in the NFL, and and certainly here's a guy who, yeah, there's no there, without hesitation. If that if if they could get him, and and what you say is true, I just don't understand what Blake James's rationale is, and and to me, if you want the program to be at its pinnacle with people who were University of Miami Hurricanes, and and that's the one thing. No matter if you talk to anybody from Hurley Brown to to Randall Hill or anybody at Warren Sapp, they want what's best for this program. They don't want to go hiding the fact that they're University of Miami Hurricane graduates because of the fact that what's going on lately. So yeah, I, I would I would say any anything that you know in that in that case, if that was a valid thing, I would he would be he would he would be on in this program yesterday.
0: All right, it's valid, okay. And if I were running the yeah. program, he would have been in the program yesterday. And I'm going to throw one other one at you. And I want to hear what you think of this. What if I told you tomorrow morning you, bring, you could bring in Alonzo Highsmith as the GM of Miami football, and what if I told you that he had the juice to go lure Mario Cristobal from Oregon? What would your thought be on that?
9: Well, you know, I want to give Manny another year before that happens. But I would much rather see. I want to see if we could get Alonzo here, and then let's let, let him get the juice later on. I want him to apply what he could do because I think that Manny is has the football intelligence that if he's given the right parts, that he could do this job. I really do. I I, I think he can do this job. He's just way behind things now because he he he's got archaic uh, archaic. Uh, you know, things to work with. I just think that I would – the first thing is what you said, they can bring in Alonzo Highsmith tomorrow. I'll take it. And let's go from there. Then we'll start making moves as time dictates. But right now, get him aboard. Get him as a general manager of University of Miami football, and I guarantee in a five-year period you're playing for the ACC title. You know, the other idea I threw out a few weeks
0: ago – the, um, the other idea I threw out a few weeks ago, because I'm just like, this cannot continue the way it is, you know, in my opinion. But um, I look back at Ohio State, what they did in 2011 when they made uh, Luke Fickel their great defensive coordinator, their interim head coach, and gave him a tryout to be their head coach and they failed miserably that season and they didn't wait to go to year two. He had a, they gave him a two-year contract, but they didn't wait for year two. They slid him back right. to defensive coordinator and they went out and got urban Meyer. And you know what, sure. what's happened s- w- since then. Sure. Now Miami's not going to go get urban Meyer, but I threw out the idea a few weeks ago of going out and get yourself a great offensive coach that you could bring in. And pair him with Manny. If you know, if, if, if you if you know, you're, you got four years that you're contractually obligated to Manny. And what if you went out and got a great offensive coach and paired like him a Ken with Dorsey Manny?
9: Type guys.
0: Well, I don't think you could make Ken Dorsey a head coach. Um, no, no,
9: no. But Ken Dorsey an you know, offensive coach. But
0: is. but you, I mean, just if if you came up with some combination, like look at what they did up in up at UCF um, with Randy Shannon and um, right got my mind yeah my mind was blank there for a minute, but um that that was kind of like it's, it's at a little bit of a lower level, maybe, but that was kind of like the model that they went with when they when they put their current you know uh, coaching situation together and um you know I wonder right. about that you know what if they paired well, Manny with, with a really good offensive coach and, and and found a way to make that work um you know, I don't know. I don't know, Larry. I I just know it can't stay like this.
9: No, no. But I like your first idea. I like Alonzo Highsmith. I mean, cause I'll tell you right now. You ever you ever look on the sideline at LSU and see who's who's on the sideline? What about Johnny Robinson? I mean, that's mm-hmm. not terrible. I mean, somebody like that who has been a proven winner, but and not somebody who's a head coach. Or, but he, what he is is a consultant, and what he is is somebody who uh, Coach Oak could. You know, blow things off of, and and that's what I like. But with I like your first thing, and I, how can fans not want Alonzo Highsmith? How can Blake James not want it? How can the board of you know the board of trustees not want Alonzo Highsmith? Because there's a guy who's look at the, all he has to do is roll out that resume. He's one of the more respected people in the game. I mean, come on. What and he's a University of Miami product that wants to come here. So to me. Anything else that you would say is not going to hold water with me. Get him on campus. If that's – you say it's the truth, get him on campus because, I mean, I just don't – I mean, I I can't fathom it that he's not here. I mean, come on. I mean, cause this guy is not going to step on toes. He won't step on toes. He's going to enhance the program. And what college coach, Manny Diaz or anybody that's on this, on this staff now, wouldn't embrace that because do they like being 6-6? Six and six? Do they like the crap that they're hearing all the time, you know, from, from the outside? Do they like when somebody like Dan Mullen is recruiting against them because Miami is uh, appearing in an Independence Bowl game? You know, certainly not. They can't like that. Why wouldn't you embrace something that's going to be, you know, something that's going to elevate your, your program? And to me, it's not even, it's not even up for discussion. If, if, if I had a chance <laughs> to get Alonzo Highsmith, he's here.
11: He's here.
0: Could, could have been here a month ago. And, and he yeah. could have been looking at all these recruits that, they, that they're going to take tomorrow and making sure that they pass the test to be Miami Hurricanes. And, no, but, um,
9: I mean, he, you know, I yeah, been, but for the last three weeks, he would have been going over film. He would have been going over, you know, I'm sure he would have talked to people, a lot of people. Hey, what do you think about Restrepo? Hey, what kind of guy is he? Well, you know, I could see what he is on film. I mean, any anybody could look at a film. The kid, the parents are looking at films at home. My neighbor's looking at film. But you, that's why when I go to games and I have for the last 40 something years, I stand on the sideline. I want to see character, I want to see what the kid, and that's how I kind of knew about Teddy Bridgewater at the beginning because when he was in 10th and 11th grade, he was kind of aloof, but he had a, he had a talk. Somebody had a talk with him and said, listen, you know what? When you're, when the defense is on the field, you can't be throwing rocks on the, uh, you know, uh, you know, on the grass. You got to be with the receiver. You got to be the cap ship." Tell you what his senior year, it was like night and day. A little switch went off. See, somebody got in his ear. We need that somebody down in Miami. All
0: right, let me finish my rapid fire. Uh, Willie Moyes.
9: Yeah, still, you know, I mean, he's he, he's been hurt all year. Uh, you know, he hasn't played, and uh, you know that's that kind of signals that he's not going to come in and make an impact right away. Uh, you know, he's still be, you know, he's still kind of a year behind. Uh, I think by the end of the, he's a big, strong kid, very versatile, can play on both sides of the ball, um, and and I think over the next year, he's that he's going to develop. He's going to kid. It's going to develop, but he's got a really good chance of developing a really good one too. Elijah Roberts, big time kid, smart, three point nine GPA, uh, a quick learner, uh, physical, um, uh, somebody that uh, if he was coming in early. He probably would have a better chance of getting right in the mix come August or September. But I think you're gonna you're gonna look a little bit down the line at him. But once he gets in there I mean, he he's he's a I think he's a more physical version than RJ McIntosh was. Yeah, he's he's gonna be
0: a defensive tackle. You agree with that? I I think he'll yeah, be a defensive tackle
9: Oh he's gonna yeah. be huge. He's gonna be yeah, yeah, he's a gonna he's gonna big huge. strong kid and he's willing to work too and then and, and yeah. I mean, he comes from a really good family. Mom and dad are extremely supportive. So yeah, he's he's a winner winner right there. Chance Williams. Yeah, he's another one. I'll tell you what, he's he's going to get some playing time this coming year. Uh you know, he's just I think by next year at this time we're going to be talking his praises because this is a kid who wants to play this game. He's got a great passion for it, very athletic. Uh, he moves extremely well. Um yeah, I like him a lot.
0: Can he be Like a Rousseau type of player or a Garvin Uh, type of player?
9: Well, more of a Garvin because you look at Rousseau, and the thing that makes Gregory Rousseau different is he's 6'6 and his wingspan is crazy, and he could be out of position, which he was a lot of times this year, and still make plays because of his wingspan. See, as he learned more, he put himself in a position where he would, you know, he'd be right on top of plays. But somebody like that didn't have to be. You see, and then he learned and watched film, and, see, and, and, and they were in film study. And I'm sure they go, "Hey, Gregory, you need to step inside there. You know, you're using your long, your, your length right now to make plays, which is great. But imagine, you know, he reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, the kid that the Miami had, the tall, thin kid that went to the Cardinals. I think he went to, he's up at the Giants. Now. I mean, with the uh, Jaguars, uh, can't think of his name, but um, six seven kid. Um, Long, long arms, tremendous football talent. He's gonna, he's gonna get into the two sixty range. When he gets into that two sixty five range, he's gonna be an animal. He's a potential first round draft pick because of his athleticism, uh, his football skills, his. And you've talked to him. Very intelligent kid. Um, great passion. Yeah, he's a big time kid. It, uh, it's gonna be awfully tough for Chance to be like him, but Chance is gonna be very good. Brian Ballum. A work in progress, um, physical kid um, uh, that I just think that, uh, you know, Miami has a, a huge need in the secondary, so he'll get pushed a little bit uh, further along than he really needs to be. He's a kid that needs a, some developmental time, uh, a quick learner. Now, see, the theme here is they're getting a lot of kids who are good in the classroom and smart kids, which helps. Jalen Harrell. oh uh, yeah, Jalen's gonna be I'll tell you what i I recorded something with him about ten days ago, fifteen days ago, and I stood next to him and I thought, gosh, I didn't remember him being this big, and he's a physical kid, um He's an he he thinks like a cornerback, but he plays like a safety, and I think that's going to help him in pass coverage. Um, he's he's just going to get he'll be over two hundred pounds, uh, you know, in another year. I mean, well into the two hundreds. Uh, physical kid that's that's definitely going to help them.
0: Keyshawn Washington,
9: another kid that I think has a unlimited potential. Uh, does he? he's another one that i think still has a huge a huge long way to go uh you know to be at this level uh maybe a year away from maybe a year next year at this time we're talking about him maybe emerging a little bit more but he's definitely going to take a place in, in a position that's really needed
0: so tomorrow morning, we're waiting on the decision from Jaden Francois, Miami or Nebraska. Yeah. Um, he's committed to Miami twice, decommitted twice. They're trying for a third time. Is Jaden yeah. Francois worth all this trouble?
9: Yeah, he is. Um, you take a kid like that. I mean, I always I, I posed that question last night, and they go, well, how can you count on a guy? It's been," And I said, you know what? If he wants to come to Miami, you welcome him with open arms. Physical kid intelligent, you know, intelligent from football. So he's he's a really smart kid. It's just that he's, I just think that he gets advice. I really think that people are in his ear all the time. I just hope the right people are in his ear tomorrow. I really do, because I think that if he stays home, he's not a kid that has a bad time at home. You see, there's a lot of kids where you say, this kid needs to, you know, get out of here. But he doesn't need to. I mean, he's Mm well-respected. Kids like him. Uh, good, you know, good family, good good support system. Yeah, I just hope he he understands that if he stays close to home, and you know, he's got Ivy, who he's extremely close with, and those guys like that. Yeah, I and and the kid, uh, the other kid, Washington is, uh, I believe. What's the kid's name? The uh, is that uh, the other kid from South Dane? Um, the tall kid that's uh, I um, I can't think of his name, but you see, you talking Patrick, about Patrick Joy Patrick Joyner. Yeah, joiner, that's it. And they yes. you know, they all know each other, you know, down south kids and you know, I think he would be you know and I'll say it again, I, I don't understand with this fascination with Nebraska. Is, but other than Tommy Fraser, you tell me one Floridian that's made it. Lincoln's a whole different ball game than South Florida. I mean, it's it's really not geared to inner city kids. It really isn't. I I,
0: I, I, mean, I you know, think you could figure out pretty quickly what the fascination is with Nebraska. All of a sudden, no, I understand. Uh, I understand. Yeah, they got but, um, you know, they got that kid up in Tallahassee too uh, this past weekend, Keyshawn Green.
9: yeah, but here's my point. Well, Tallahassee is a little different too. It's a small town, but I'm just saying, you come from a big city and go to Lincoln, it, you know, there's got to be a social that you know you've got to fit in socially too. And um, Miami kids just notoriously ha- haven't really been that type of kids. Um, I know, I, I know, there's a few kids, that, but they'll find they'll quickly find out that, uh, that Lincoln is not Miami, and uh, there's just a certain thing that that, that these kids get used to. And 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 I, yeah, I, I would think that that Jaden Francois would have a better three four years in South Florida than he would in Lincoln. A guy by
0: the name of Selwyn Brown played defensive back for Miami, and uh, he's gotten older yeah. like us, Larry, and now he's got a son yeah. named Devante, Devontae Brown at Plantation American Heritage. Looks like he's going to pick UCF tomorrow over UM. Uh, the Randy Shannon-Selwyn Brown connection looks like it's going to yeah. win out there. Did, did Miami wait too long
9: to get on Devontae Brown? Yeah, they did, uh, and, and Selwyn and I talked about that too. You know, I saw him at a lot of games. We talked, we communicated a little bit over, you know, in social media. And uh, I think he was a little bit put off with the fact that the Miami, you know, in the state that they were at, in the position of need at that position, kid, kid's a physical kid. He's going to work out wherever he goes. I just think that you would you would like a legacy like that to to kind of, more legacies to come aboard, and especially a kid who's not going to embarrass himself. So, yeah, Selwyn was a great player, and and his kid is too.
0: Avante Williams up at the land looks like he's not going to sign tomorrow. Looks like he's going to wait till February. Uh, he decommitted from Oregon this past week. Yeah, every everybody has been thinking he's going to go to Florida, um, but if he was definitely going to go to Florida, I think he'd be signing tomorrow. Um, So he's going to wait. It looks like, and um, Miami's trying, you know, been hanging in there a little bit. Uh, Should Miami um, keep
9: up the chase for Avante Williams? Yeah, definitely. Kids of talent. Hey, they got Brian Stinson, you know, Brian Stinson came out of the land and Brian could stay in his hip pocket a little bit and tell him the advantages of being down here. Uh, I think miami has got a good shot. You know, if, if, I think you know Florida's the and and there's no cut to it. I mean, you remember I mean back when Miami was the flavor of the day and everybody wanted to come here, well, Florida's in that position now, and they're getting these top flight kids like Isaiah Walker, and that Miami really should have gotten, and Miami should have blanketed him like no other time before, and they just didn't do it they just if they had like you said if they had an offensive line coach. That was an elite recruiter. He he'd be signing signing on the dotted line in Carl Gables instead of Gainesville tomorrow. So, yeah, right. I, I I think Alvante will be fine. I just think that he's going to have this, and this is what it is. When he if he doesn't sign tomorrow, then Miami needs it. Miami needs that full court press during the entire month of January. Right.
0: All right, Larry, you got to, um, you got a few minutes to hang out while I uh, pull in sure. some phone callers. All right, sure. let's do it. Not let's let's go. We're going to go crisscross the country a little bit. We're going to go out now to the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight?
5: Hey, what's going on, Gary?
0: Doing great. Who's this? Introduce yourself. Steve. What's up, Steve? Steve? Hey, Steve. How you been, man? Yeah. It's been a while.
5: I yeah, it ain't been good. <laughs> it ain't been good. Well, I've been, <laughs> it's been real bad, considering what we're talking about, you know. So, it's what you got for us tonight? One, one, i just been listening to you guys talk about it's hard to even get excited. I'm at the point to where I'm just, you know, if they sign, they sign. If they don't, they don't. I'm like this here right now. Until we get a coaching staff that is competent enough to not lose to the FIUs, to lose to Georgia Tech two years in a row, Duke two years in a row, after losing five games straight, losing to Virginia Tech, with a a first-time quarterback only played two games on your home field after bye weeks. These kids and their parents are looking at this, and like you say, you guys are hitting the nail, you know, on the coffin. They're looking at going to the NFL. This is about money. This is about their family, you know. These kids trying to get to the NFL. Until we get some coaches in there who know what they're doing, these players are not going to be looking foolish, not looking laws, you know. Getting developed, we got a we got a um, a, um Stratt coach that came from Temple. Really? And he's actually see Steve. He's the strength. He's 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 the strength of the program
0: right now. That guy. Yeah,
5: no, yeah, no. I don't, Gary. You say that, but I don't believe that. Can I? Can I? Can I? haven't called all you. Let me. Let me. Let me talk a little bit. You might believe that, <laughs> but when I look at the team with my eyes. When I'm looking at I, the eyeball test and I look at other schools, it, it don't distract. You know, you can say what you want, but you got to. You know, can I get Larry's I opinion before
0: you go on? on
9: my can we get? Eyes.
0: Okay, well, Steve, well, can we get can Larry's you, opinion on this before you go on? Let's let's. Larry, what do you think of David right. Feely?
9: I I give him a year. I give him this full year because remember he's just he hasn't been here that long. He has to put in. You know, you can get results, and and I've seen the kids. Uh, you know, it, it's a bigger it, there's. The, the kids are bigger than, I mean, you look at, look at Rousseau. He's a perfect example. I mean, he's put on extremely, what, 30 pounds of muscle. Um, I, I kind of agree with Gary. I Give him a chance. You know, if we're talking like we're this good. next year at this time, that then, then you've got a valid point, but I just don't think he's had enough time to kind of develop, you know, develop his own, you know, his, his own routine. So I say, give him another year. I understand what you're saying. Uh, and, and a lot of the the, the teams uh, that they play are, are bigger. But here's the thing, Steve. Uh, uh, you know, uh-huh. give him a chance. You know, give him a chance. You know, give him a chance to implement okay. everything that okay. he has. And I, I he's okay. going to get the kids bigger. I really do.
5: <laughs> you know what, guys? I really don't have a choice of giving him a chance because, they, you know, <laughs> no you, I'm going to do what they do. Because if it was up yeah. to me, I wouldn't give nobody a chance. And Gary, no. Yo. So, yeah, yeah right, I know, but
0: but, but that's the last guy getting fired, Steve. <laughs> that's the last guy getting fired. Trust me. That guy. Is the, hey,
5: that guy... Always, Gary, yeah, Gary, look, I'm used to this. I know I know it. Everybody's the last guy getting fired until they get fired. You get what I'm saying with this program? Yeah. Hello? You know, yeah, you're, you're here's, right. here's my point. Here's my point. Like you guys was just saying, um, bring in Alonzo. And my brother went with L- Alonzo's little sister, Nikki Hotsmith. We I know Alonzo. I know a lot of those guys who, who played at the UM. And I graduated with Robert Bailey at the South Ridge. So, right. and you, you 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 got so many great people and great players who went to that school, but yet we keep hiring coaches from Florida State. We got an AD. I don't know. God knows where he came from. He ain't played a lick of football. But everybody's putting the program in this guy's hands we had a chance. You guys talk about how Florida is doing in football and recruiting. Well, look at who they hired. A guy who interviewed when this guy hired Al Golden. When this guy hired Mark Rick. This guy wanted the job at our program, and we didn't give it to him. Now look at at what's going on. Look at the price we're paying for the decisions this guy has made, and nobody talks about him being gone. Everybody talk about him making more decisions that he's out there in the Everglades with the program with a shovel, then dug a hole and we're never going to be able to find it if we keep leaving him in charge. You get what I'm saying? He's gaslighting the program, and and nobody seems to care. You know, everybody. Not enough. Like not not enough people is-
0: care. There's some people that care, but not enough of them. And he's really blowing it with this Highsmith situation. He really he needs is blowing to be it.
5: Going, Gary. He don't need to be making. No more decisions. That's the problem. You, if, if he wanted the program to be better, he wouldn't have went and paid $4 million to Temple when we had all that money that Mark Rick gave back. We <laughs> could have been all on track. He knows what he's doing. I don't know why he's doing it. You know, but, I, hey, here we are. Here we are talking about why kids are not coming to Miami. I know why kids are not coming to Miami. If they sit around and watch football on Saturday like I do, who wants to play in that type of mess? Who wants to be a part of that? You know, I bless the kids who come tomorrow. Uh, You know, I I, I pray that Miami do right by them. And and I don't know what's going to happen with this program. But I do know Blake James needs to be out. And I'm out. Thank you, Gary, for your time.
0: Steve, we've missed you, man. We've missed you. you know, make sure you call more often, man. Yeah, I I just love your will, passion. Whoops, sorry about that. Wait, I'll bring I, you back. I I, I I hit the button too quick. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? You will?
5: You got me, you got me still
0: there? Yeah. Yeah, you 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 call oh, yeah. more often, gonna, I love your I'm passion. Gonna
5: call. I'm, gonna call. I'm gonna keep call. I'm gonna keep calling. I'm gonna keep listening. All All right, right, man. I appreciate it. Love
0: your passion. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 563 999 3633. 563 999 3633 is the number. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. It's me, Gary Furman. We got a guest right now, Larry Bluestein, the Dean of South Florida High School Football. So hit us up with anything you want. Let's go back down to uh, to South Florida now to the 954. You're live on Kane Sport Live.
10: Hey, Gary, good evening. How you good evening. Who hi, is Larry? Hey, guys. Oh, this is Scott. My name is Scott. Hey, what's up, hey, Scott. Scott?
0: What you got for us?
10: Hey, guys, no, I just want to say hi to Larry real quick. Uh, he actually uh, was very kind to me. I was pretty heavily recruited out of my day down to St. Thomas, or a lot, much earlier in the late 90s, early 2000. But uh, nice to talk to him again. And I just wanted to just, you know, talk about the Hurricanes recruiting. I want to find out when was the last time – why is it position coaches that – Recruit positions now. When I was coming out, and I, I know it was pretty popular, you always had coaches on staff that recruited certain areas. Whether it was a defensive back coach recruiting the Northeast or the Midwest, and that's where the relationships are built. I mean, you, you're talking about yeah, I know Miami. All everyone recruited South Florida, for an example. But like Chuck Pagana recruited me to Miami. It wasn't like Greg Mark recruited me as a defensive lineman. So no. that was my relationship. And you know, the Greg Mark did that. So it's like you say, oh, the relationship relationships, relationships. Miami doesn't have a guy on staff. First of all, that can do it, and because none of these guys have been around the area or the program, you know, there's no GAs getting promoted. Their 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 connections in recruiting are with like Cooney and DeMarcus Van Dyke, who, you know, they, they can't recruit. I mean, they can they can hawk kids on campus, but they can't go out right. and recruit. And when did that change? When did like guys start recruiting their position? Well, they
11: still than recruit areas. They
10: still recruit areas. And then, like, if
11: you're a
9: defensive lineman and, and they want a defensive line coach to come in, they'll come in on it. But, no, they still have their own area. Um, they right. I in, don't like, know. I, know. I think
10: at Miami, like, everyone talks about, like, the, the DBs and Mike Rumpf can't recruit DBs. I, I think DBs. Mark Rick
5: Mark Rick introduced Mike that.
10: that. Mike, you don't hear about no. Mike Rumpf recruiting, like, Terrell Slayton from American Heritage Kitty he coach for all four years. Like, right. it was always Sertan and Tyson Campbell and then it was uh Cyril's had the relationship with Slayton and then Slayton wanted to play defense that whole thing fell apart that's just an example I'm using but like shouldn't like right. Rumpf be going into Miami Northwestern shouldn't he be going into Carroll City and Central and and talking to those guys he's got more street cred than anybody in, in Dade County I would think with what he was able to do at Miami and being one of them and being in the coaching community I mean he knew guys like Roland Smith obviously and he knows guys all throughout Broward County. I mean, he coached against them. I mean, Heritage didn't duck anybody when he was coaching there. That's when you know intercounty rivalry started coming through. So I'm just curious, you know, like that—that's a huge issue to me. You know, it's the relationships, and I just feel like they're targeting positions with coaches. And I had two other things I want to say, but I just you know want to get your idea on that first.
0: Well, Mark Richt introduced that. You know what you're talking about. I the, the Golden staff kind of branched out a, a little bit more. In that regard, but um, you know, like you had D'Onofrio who would go recruit the New Jersey area, and no, it didn't matter what position they could play and things like that.
10: He recruited, um, he recruited. He recruited. He recruited He 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 was he correct. knew the guy there or whatever, and that's where that came from. And I think Miami is missing that on this staff. That's the one thing you always said about Golden too, and I always agree, Gold Golden recruited players. He just he was so stubborn with stinking D'Onofrio running that yep. defense it killed it killed his career. He killed his career. Olympics, when they played yeah. Florida that game, that entire offensive line from left to right was Flowers, Linder, uh, McDermott, Feliciano, and Chantrell. I mean, that was an NFL offensive line, say, for McDermott. Yeah. You obviously had Duke. You had Clive Walford, Alan Hearns, <coughs> Dorsett. I mean, that was an entire NFL offense. And you only won seven games that year. It's that, that's where Miami, the mentality, it's like the development of players. And, and Urban Meyer had a great quote a week or two on Colin Cowherd's show. And they specifically talked about Miami and Texas having – top 10 top 15 recruit classes every year not stacking up and he said it's a lack of development lack of development and he, and the, the Manny Diaz the defense you know obviously he changed the scheme it was it's a it's a decent defense it's not a great defense but he's only recruited what six or seven linebackers in this four years here I mean he's got Huff and Brooks and uh B.J. Jennings and uh, Wayne Steed basically coming back after the top three guys. He and they were already there when that, they took over for Gold. So, right.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's my I mean, that's my point. That's my point about the whole thing. And I nothing again against Manny. I mean, it's it's just how do you see that or not right. see it? prob maybe in this case, but how do you see that and make that like in, 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 gamble? The entire future of Miami football Correct. when there's not a tra- when there's no track record like I it just, just it baffles me I've been here forty years it baffles me to watch this a
10: power five school I mean this one it's going right is a top ten top fifteen job in the country and I know you've been on the Mario bandwagon and last year was the time for Mario I mean it it opened up Rick. Didn't take a buyout. Didn't just retire. He left whatever money on the table, like you said. It was a clean slate, and for them to just panic—I mean, they they hired Diaz within like an hour. I mean, the guy's taking a picture uh, on his pool deck with Blake James. It wasn't—I don't think it was dark out when he took that picture. I mean, it was the same day. I mean, it's just insanity to me how they can run a coaching search like that. What else you got for us? No, I had one other thing uh, uh, for next year. I, I mean, I know we're talking about this year, but uh, maybe with Larry. And, um, you know, just, uh, I guess, what's what's the perception around Dayton Broward County? Because you got guys that's like, you know, I know Rogers at St. Thomas now, and, you know, I, they can't sniff a kid there. And, you know, you got, I don't know why they weren't all over Isaiah Walker and Doomerville, like he said, but, you know, I mean, Roseme. I mean, St. Thomas is selling their soul now. I mean, I remember when George used to not let Saban on campus because he pissed them off so badly. And all of a sudden, you know, they're coming in and grabbing two kids last year and in battle was a great kid, you know, a great player, a very good kid. Yep,
2: yep, and, yep. you know,
10: Alabama came in and snatched him, right? Uh, I mean, just – it's it's like Miami's not even in the conversation. And I'll never forget, you know, Myers coming out. I mean, there was, we had about four or five guys back in the day. You know, we it wasn't St. Thomas, it was now 10, 12 guys going – D one, but it was like, you know, I mean, he what, Miami was always in the picture at least, or Coach Smith was always asking us, What do you think? What do you think about Miami? And it's just I, I just feel like I, I don't even know where Miami stands with half their feeder schools. I don't even know if St. College would be considered a feeder school, but you you look at Northwestern I'd say Northwestern Central and Carroll City should be the top feeder schools and you got Jones Bell going, to Alabama, you got no one from Northwestern coming. Uh, you know, Central I'd may, maybe doesn't have a ton of your talent this year, but you know, I mean, where where are these kids at these last couple of years? Besides Devon Donaldson, I don't remember anyone really coming.
0: Larry, let's take let's take St. Thomas first. What's happened with to Miami at St. Thomas Aquinas? Well,
9: yeah, they I know there's nobody that that uh, would go there. I mean, like he he just that like you just illustrated. I mean, you got either like a Rosemary who's going to Georgia. Uh, you have the, the linemen like Duvonville and also Marlon that are going to go to LSU, but there's no guys on there that really have any. Miami just you know they try, they're there, they're there all the time. You
11: know I, you know Coach Hickson,
9: who's from uh,
11: right there at Dillard, and and even he has problems. Uh,
9: you know uh, they were trying, they were trying to actually flip Marlon Martinez. From you know, and then trying to, but it just never worked. Just for the reasons that I told you, when you have Coach Barry there uh, against uh, a really good line coach from LSU, that a really good line coach who is diligent and and is on them all the time, you're not going to win out. Uh,
11: St. Thomas has got kids
9: now. You look at, uh, I mean, like Sapp has already made it clear that he's going to go to Florida. Um, you, you take, I mean, the kid Hankerson's kind of small. He's only a sophomore uh, from a running back standpoint. Um, the other line, the other offensive line, you got Armella, who you know is going to be at FSU cause that's where his dad went. Um, they could, you know, they could dance around it. So you look at Jaden McBurrows, I don't think Miami, Miami even has a shot. Uh, Dempsey, Miami never was in at the beginning, even when he was at Dwyer, uh, so, and then, you know, Javante Royal was an option. But then all of a sudden, Miami's losing the kids a pick. And to me, that shouldn't be. I mean, you know, Charlie's a good guy. And Salem, are great guys from a recruiting standpoint. But come on. You, you know, you get a guy like Javante Royal who could easily play at Miami, whether it be receiver or safety, 6'3". Um, guys like that should, you know, should definitely be. And then St. Thomas has got, you know what? they got more marginal kids than they have, like the kid, Riyadh, Wilma. I mean, they're marginal kids. They're not major, major, major college
10: kids. Uh, Can I step in one second when you're done, Larry? Yep. Because why isn't Charlie Partridge on this staff, for example? That's a perfect example of a guy that recruits South Florida, who's been doing it forever, Uh, recruited, you know, obviously Alex Collins from Arkansas, Denver Kirkland, some guys at that era, you know, back to the 2000s, you know, the early 2000s when I was coming up you know, I, I, here's a guy, he's a, he's an established coach. He's got a resume. Why the hell sure. is he the D on coach at, at Miami? Or, you know, why can't we get a guy that, you know, why can't they fork over a few extra dollars for a guy like, you know, John Sider, um, this guy, obviously yeah. huge South Florida tie-in um, or Florida tie-in. You know, there's just none of those guys on this hurricane staff. And it's, it's, Bandits, Packy, and it's it's Manny's guys, but it's his guys from like Mississippi State. I mean, all these. And if right. you look at them, they all came up from GAs of like Incarnate Word in San Antonio. So where the hell? Yes. How did they end up at Mississippi State as GA? Where was the connection there? It's just, it's.
2: But and then you bring them down to Miami, my, and, and the only guy was tied point. to
10: Miami, like you said, are Hickson and Steve Field. Those are the only guys I would yeah. trust to recruit anybody. They're the only guys that know anybody that have done yeah. that have done business in. Dayton-Broward County, whether it's as a college coach or as a high school coach. Those are the only two guys. Well,
9: the one guy All who right. I really am surprised that he hasn't gotten a position with Miami is Roland Smith. I mean, here's a guy that's a Miami guy. Nobody's more respected in the, in the inner city than Roland is.
11: I mean, he would be
9: and as it is, look at him. He, you know, he tries to direct his kids there. He's got a kid, his junior kid, Seymour, who's going to be going there. Seymour's a little bit yeah, more
10: Seymour, sure. You
9: know, uh, guys like that, but he's got he, he's got nobody
10: else. I mean, he's really. Ooh, got, and Al tried guys. to do that. Golden tried to do it with uh, Tim Harris, if you remember, he brought Ice Harris on, and, and that may have paid a, little, a few dividends here and there. Is Roland Smith a more of a Dade county respect than uh, Ice Harris had before he you know took a new oh, job yeah. last past year? Yeah, 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 yeah,
9: yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah. is. I mean, and and plus and plus Roland Smith is a hurricane.
11: You know, he's a Miami sure. Hurricane. You know, and that's yes, that's sure. important.
9: And uh, you know, I mean, and the, the guy. He, Listen, I think he's been waiting for, for that call. And Absolutely I'm not taking have. Anything away. I'm not taking anything away from Mike Ruff. I love the guy, I remember him from the Delray, you know, when he was at, you know, Atlantic, and he's a good, You know, yeah. and Banda does his stuff. But there's got to be a time that you're going to have to say, listen, we've got to do what's best for the program, and not just because this guy's my friend. You know, and, and you know, look like, like you said, uh, being – Being Danoffio, being uh, you know uh, Al Golden's big time buddy from Penn State and all that, what did it do? It cost cost him his job, is what it did. And I mean, if that's going to be the case, where where Al
10: Al Golden could recruit, Al Golden could identify talent. Al Golden he lost his job letting Mark Danoffio run a three four defense with the talent that was on the team. It was like a square peg in a round hole. I mean, Maybe. I named that offense, no, and I could in, name just in, as many guys in, yeah. on that defense that may have not made it as much yet. But that 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 defense had Rayshon Jenkins. You had Deion, or uh, Dion Bush. Obviously, you had Tracy. But, you had you had players on that defense.
5: You had players yeah, all around yeah, that
10: defense. It is. And to yeah. go along with the same offense I named off, you know, five minutes ago, and it's it just it's a shame that that talent was Seven wasted. Wins. And when you ask kids today, those are the guys they remember. These are the guys they saw when they were what it, is this, six years ago. So they would have been in. Fifth, sixth, seventh grade, you know, those are those are the memories they have. And it, it, the memory, unfortunately, is underachieving. That's what it is. Yeah. So I'll let you go. All right, man, I, I, gotta, I gotta let you go, because I gotta let so many other people yeah.
0: ha- have a voice. But, hey, up, awesome, awesome call. Appreciate you. Awesome Appreciate call. You Thank you, man. You. Call again. All right. Wow, that guy reeks of knowledge, doesn't he, Lair? Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was... yeah,
11: yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a hurricane guy, you
0: know? So. Okay. Uh, before we go to the next call, just quick, quick, quick question. How does Miami fix the state-county problem also? I mean, the best players leave year after year now?
9: Well, like I said, you've got to get somebody that they you're, identify you, with. You, you, you know, there's nobody that they... Wait, you're, they, 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 you're, they're you're they're fade, fading they, they, out
0: on us a little bit, Larry. Your, your voice get, is fading out. There's not a lot
9: of guys that they identify with, you know, from a coaching standpoint and from guys that are good recruiters. And that's, you know, you've got to win. Yeah. <laughs> Got to win to get these kids to stay here. They just don't want to – they don't want to lose. These kids are – you know, I mean, you can't win three straight championships, you know, at at, uh, Northwestern and all of a sudden come in and lay eggs at Miami. They're just not used to that.
0: All right, let's go to the 305. You're on Cane Sport Live, speaking of Miami. You with us? 305 going once. You with us?
2: Hello.
0: Yeah, that's you. Hello. Who's this? That's you. Who's this? Introduce yourself. All right, man, you're too too slow. Get us next time. Let's go to the eight six five. You're on Kane Sport Live.
4: Hey Gary.
0: Yes, sir. Who's this?
4: Hey, it's James. We're trying to see Ari, right, buddy.
0: What's up, James? How you doing this week? Talk to us. Uh, what you oh, got,
4: dude? I'm doing good, man. I. I don't know if I should be um, happy or what to listen to this. It almost seems like a little bit of a funeral with all these evaluations and what we're talking about. But, uh, um, but, but uh, listen, uh, just, just real quick, I was listening um, of, of the, uh, the other gentleman that was on before Larry, you know, you all were going through the different guys. And uh, I mean, are these, I mean, I know that they're smart players, but, and they may not be guys that contribute right away, but do you see them like being a foundation Um, to help out and and increase the numbers because I feel that that's something that's been talked about the last few years, how we don't have 85 guys. And it's not even 85 guys. You don't even have like maybe even 70 quality players that are Miami type caliber guys if i'm making sense with that i mean that's just that's just mind-boggling to me and i feel that's been a problem since this damn shapiro thing happened a few years back or something i think
0: larry and i are are in agreement on one thing and that and well more than one thing but but one thing that we are definitely in agreement on is that this is a decent recruiting class it's not a funeral this this could have been way worse than what it was and i give that coaching staff nothing but a ton of credit for the, fact, the way they've been able to hold this together. But it's not a recruiting class that's going to change the program. There's, there's, I don't exactly. see a lot of elite, elite players that are going to change the program. Uh, you know, I, I see you know, you're bringing in Don, a Don Chaney and a Jalen Knighton to replace DJ Dallas and eventually Cam Harris. Probably pretty similar level players. Would you agree with that, Larry?
9: Yeah, well, yeah, but I, I just think with with DJ Dallas, you got a guy, it's a future NFL guy. So I, I don't know if you could say that about either Jalen or Cheney right now. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, you, but you've got to elevate. I mean, you've got to get marquee kids, and they've got marquee kids in a position. I think you know, kind of an even trade-off in some way.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting exactly. at. So you got a lot of even trade-offs. You know. We're,
9: we're,
0: I, I know I'm looking for, for program-altering
4: so. stuff at this point. Exactly. No, and that's what you've been talking about, and you've been preaching about it for weeks, is you recruit the guy that you know is better than the guy you've got at that position right there. That should and be the baseline wise, to me. It, that should be the baseline. That's exactly right, Gary. And the thing is, is if you and – and is it true that – not that I ever want to say that one class is better than others and so forth like that, but the 21 guys are pretty, pretty big time. In, in South Florida, am I correct in saying that? I mean, uh, or am I off with that? Yeah. Because I keep hearing that 21 is, like, going to be a good year, but they've got to keep these guys at home. And when you're losing guys to Clemson already a year before they're even going to be in college and we don't even get, like, a chance to prove ourselves at a definite position key, you know, of offensive line, I mean, it's absolutely disturbing. And it's, like, it's unacceptable. That's what bothers me the most about this. And, you know, you go back to – and here's the thing, Gary. I really hope that if this Highsmith thing happens, that he absolutely cleans house. Because you have to know that a guy like that would look at – at, at like he, many wouldn't have even seen the doorstep. I truly believe that in terms of – of, of even getting hired to this coach if, if Alonzo had been in the position you're talking about. Because, I mean, you look at that. The last caller, that was an excellent call, talking about, what, four or five linebackers' tops that he's brought in on himself, and none of them have really even contributed. The guys that have contributed were guys that were from the previous staff that just were – we were blessed to be – that they honored their commitment, and they were what they were. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the Miami type of linebacker that we're used to, four, five, four, six speed, can knock the crap out of somebody. I mean, and they're always in a position to make a big play. It, it hasn't been there. It hasn't been there.
0: And they just they, they gotta, got to hire him and, and give them give him the power and just sit back, you know, Blake can put his, his feet up on his desk and just sit back and watch an alpha male go to work and he'll bring in other alpha males and they will get this place straightened out. But if we keep doing what we're doing here, this is going to go on forever like this. I mean it's already been 15 years, and it's same plus same equals same, and nothing's changing, and there's way too few people that could care less, and
4: that's why they're stuck where they are because they they just keep
0: making mistake after mistake.
4: Exactly. Exactly. Quick question, Gary. And I think I don't. I didn't. I didn't uh, understand correctly. The the big tight end uh, the, uh, that's out of Vegas um, is he signing so not Washington. with anybody? Or are we still no Washington? Are we still got a chance, or what's going on? Absolutely.
0: With that? It's. It looks like Miami or Georgia right now. He can't make up his mind. He's going to wait. Um, might okay. announce at the Under well, Armour game potentially, but he's not going to sign until February.
2: Until February.
4: Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. At least maybe we can dine him one more time or something, and, and maybe just offer him something. It, it, he may have enjoyed his visit a little bit more than we than, than was than was you know thought. So one more quick question, Gary. Um, uh, real quick, just a little bit off of recruiting and so forth. Just with these uh, guys that are you know leaving earlier, being talked about. Is it any truth that John Ford is thinking about going to the pros? Because he didn't show me anything this year that. Don't would be think going so. To the
10: pros. And... I, I don't think okay. he has that option.
0: He would probably not
4: get drafted. Okay. I was, just, I was just curious because at this point, I mean, you hate to lose certain guys, but I, I'd rather have guys that want to be here. And if this class can be smart and learn and develop – and, and maybe do something that, uh, that they want to be here. That's the main thing that I've always preached. I want guys that want to be at Miami. And if Francois wants to go to Nebraska and Chuck Corn, uh, then go for it, you know, because if he's not all in in Miami, I don't want him here. That's the thing. If he committed twice, and I'm sorry, it's still the University of Miami to me. I, I know we've not been much in the last 15 years or so, but it's still the University of Miami. There is a quality there. And if many needs to make some staff changes after this uh, after recruiting is done or anything like that, so be it, but something needs to change, and uh, that's all I got, Gary. Please put me back all on. All right, Great show. And are you gonna do a are you gonna do a bowl show afterwards, or uh, yeah, we'll or do a bowl. We'll we'll do a do? show
0: after the bowl game, absolutely. Yep.
4: After the bowl game. All right. Brother. We'll talk Merry to you Christmas. then. Take right.
0: care, buddy. You, you, you too. Bet. Happy holidays to you, Larry. You got time for a couple more?
2: Yeah. You got ten more minutes. You
0: yeah, got ten right, more minutes.
2: Ten more minutes. All right. Let's go.
0: All right. Let's go out to the 203. You're on Kane Sport Live. 2, two or three, you 3 with us. All right, going once, twice, you're out. We'll get you next time. Let's go to the 813. You're on Kane Sport Live.
3: Hi, how you guys doing?
0: Doing great. Who's just, this?
3: Us uh, Brown sub.
0: Hey, what's up, Brown? What you got for us, uh, man?
3: Um, I was just wanted to touch on uh the question you posed in regards to how does Miami get back to being what it used to be in you know, kind of getting Dade County back to where it was. I think the community, I think Miami has to win back the community first and foremost. The community, in my opinion, does not trust Miami for whatever reason that is. Um, You know, I I know you posed the idea of bringing in an Alonzo Highsmith, which I do agree with, that would definitely help mend some of the relationships that maybe has gone sour in the community. Um, another reason I did call in, I normally listen to your show, I just don't call in, but another reason I did call in is because I wanted to touch on um, Mr. If, if If there was a situation that presented itself where Miami would be able to hire you, I mean, if I was the coach personally, with your experience, I think it would be a no brainer to hire you as recruiting personnel director, kind of like in that role of what Matt Dorothy was, if they came to you and offered you that position, is that something that you would be willing to accept
9: i'd listen I'd certainly okay. listen i mean no i've I've been around this program since the the middle sixties, so I kind of know every aspect of it, and I'd certainly listen and uh you know because I know what direction they need to to be in but it would have to be under somebody like an Alonzo Highsmith because right. I, you you just can't, because no matter you know, I always say that no matter what I suggest, if it's the people that are doing it now, they may not see it the same way. And these are the same people that have been spinning their wheels to, to a 500 season. So somebody like Alonzo Highsmith, who I have the utmost respect for uh, somebody who knows the game inside and out has enough contacts to, elevate this program yeah i would definitely listen
0: i don't know that larry would want to do all that administrative work but he could certainly help the program enormously in relationships throughout south florida without question throughout the state really
3: you know he he's been doing he's been scouting talent for years and i just think that miami does not use their own resources that's in their backyard they're more so their own enemy you know what i mean um, you know, same, same thing in regards to the resources down there when they're bringing these kids down there on recruiting trips, you know they're, to me they're not using the city of Miami to sell itself. you know um, I know a lot of a lot of readers and bloggers uh, read and they wonder how Florida State still recruits. Uh, kids and they're always in the top 10 top 15 classes regardless of what their record is and Miami seems to be struggling in that area and a lot of times I say you know I, I graduated from FAMU you know um, Tallahassee is a unique situation I think Bluestein touched on it a little earlier um, but it's a unique situation in the sense that it's going to sell itself you know what I mean you know, it, uh, Florida State could go 1-14 or whatever it is, however many games we play, 12, 1-11, and they'll still out-recruit Miami because of the city of Tallahassee in itself. A lot of those recruits are going there because they have FAMU, because they have Florida State, and because they have TCC to a lesser extent. I think Miami has to sell the city of Miami to make it more attractive to these kids. You know, sell the beaches. I know they do a lot of media guys and everything on Twitter and everything just trying to sell that but you need to sell you need to sell that lifestyle a little bit better than what they're selling instead of bringing these kids on recruiting trips and having cookie cakes and taking them bowling that that stuff means nothing to a 16, 17, 18 year old in my opinion.
2: Yeah. All right, man,
3: what you got anything
0: else for us tonight?
3: No, that that's it. I just wanted to touch bases on that. So I appreciate you guys and Thank you and I'll uh stay on and listen to the rest of the show.
0: Alright, man, thank you for the call. All right. Final call of the night. Let's go to the six oh nine. You're on Kane Sport Live.
11: Hey Gary. Uh this is uh Omnipoint first time caller.
0: Hey, um, welcome to the show.
11: Yep, yep. So uh I wanted to touch on a couple of things with uh recruiting and you know, how this thing can get turned around. Um, I've always been a big proponent of, you know, you got to win to bring them in. But I think a lot of people, especially with this Alonzo Highsmith talk, they overlook the value of relationships. You know, Alonzo comes in and he immediately improves relationships in South Florida. There's no question about immediately. it. Immediately. Um, exactly. And even if Manny stays on, he can help Manny identify Assistants, coordinators, bring those guys to the plate. So not only is he helping you recruit players, but he's helping you recruit coaches. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't overlook that. You know, A 10-11 win season next year, to me, even with you know, the good to very good and not elite talent like you always touch on on the board and on the show, it, it should be good enough, if the coaching is good enough, to, to squeeze that out, in my opinion. You know, getting to ten, but I mean, ten with Alonzo Highsmith and ten without him—it's going to be totally different on the recruiting trail. And you, and, and people have to appreciate that. I really, you know, I, we're all holding our breath here, hoping Blake James makes the right decision that you know, 99% of us would make.
0: He's just um, got to make a phone call, yeah. one phone call, and it's done. Yeah,
11: yeah, yeah. I hear you. And uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on—I posted this yesterday. Uh, I'm actually from New Jersey, but, you know, uh, uh, with Rutgers here, the boosters wanted Greg Schiano so badly, they threatened to take, you know, mm. Rutgers out of their state plan. They got the governor of New Jersey involved. And the ADM president had no plan of bringing Shiano in. So, I, you know, I, I don't know the boosters in Miami, but to me it blows my mind that a program like Rutgers can threaten that and get, you know, the the big boosters really stand in in place for the everyday fan as far as the big bucks go. you, You know, you'd like to see a little bit more pressure on our administration. I don't know if you have any Intel or, you know, comments about that.
0: There's not enough. There's not enough people that care enough to put that kind of pressure on here. And, you know, until, until that changes, I think you're going to be at the mercy of the decisions that Blake James makes. And I, you know, I like Blake. I, I, he's, yeah. he's done good, good things at Miami, but you know, he's, he's had a rough last 12 months and if he doesn't mm-hmm. get his act together very, very quickly here, you're looking, if they go another year like this, you're looking at a five-year rebuild all over again. You agree with that, Larry?
9: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I mean next year is going to be a kind of an easier schedule just like this year. So, I mean, You've got to set yourself up for the future. And another, just to compound what you said about uh, Alonzo Ismith, uh, not only will he make contacts, but uh, look at all the people that he knows around football all over the country. And to me, in every aspect, whether it's a hire, whether it's a recruit, he always has intelligent um, feedback awaiting him. Uh, you know, I'm not just some BS makeup. Oh, yeah, he's a good ball player, and the kid's mom is good. You know, he has real. Remember, he's been in the professional side of this for so long that uh, look at how many times that he's been on all these campuses from Arizona State to Wisconsin to, you know, to Rutgers to everywhere just observing and seeing what type of coaches they have, what type of systems they have. Believe me, he, you know, he would be a hire that could change, that will. Not could that will change the face of this program, and that's to me you've got to do that right now you're stagnant this is just a stagnant program you you're you're, move, you're taking one average and moving them out and bringing another average in you've got to make a splash, and if you make a splash, uh, I think that that he would be i mean you know i you know i had I had heard this before, but until I came on tonight and Gary kind of
11: boosted it up
9: a little bit i have really not put a lot of credence into it but just sitting here over the last half hour 40 minutes just thinking about it
11: wow what a hire i mean maybe the best hire they've ever had <laughs> you know at least in the last 20 years
0: Ready, righty man you got anything else for us tonight all right i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you go larry um can't thank you enough for you know for spending this time with us tonight. And tomorrow um, okay, tomorrow's right. gonna tomorrow will be interesting. Uh, you know, a couple not not quite as much drama as there usually is on yeah. signing day. But I'll be going down the South Date in the morning to see what Francois does, okay. and uh,
9: yeah.
0: probably make a couple other pit stops on the way back. But uh, I think that well, you and I are. Yeah, I know you will be. So, like, I know you and I, we're, we're in total agreement on almost everything. Um, yep. The only thing I heard, you and I not 100% on the same page of, and, again, this has nothing to do with Manny, but I not only would bring in Alonzo, I, let, I would let Alonzo go get Mario and, and get this yeah. thing freaking – I wouldn't wait. I don't wait around uh, hoping uh, – you, you won six games this year, so what, are you going to win eight next year, nine Maybe, and you're going to say, okay, well, we made progress. Now let's do all this for another year and just you know, keep going on and on like this. I mean, it, we'll be sitting here for another 15 years, just like we've spent the last 15, Larry. But at least we'll have each yeah. other because as, as you and I have had for what, almost 40 years 40, now, we've known each years, other. Man. So, so we'll, we'll have each other as the, as, as the world continues to swirl around yeah. us.
11: You're so, hey, thanks a, million, thanks a million.
0: Thanks a million again and we'll do it again one right, day.
11: Have a good one. All right, All right,
0: Larry. All right, that's Larry Bluestein, the Dean of South Florida High School Football. And I um, hope you guys have enjoyed the show tonight. I know we didn't have, didn't have as many calls as we usually do, um, but I hope you got a lot out of the conversation and have a better feel for what's going to happen tomorrow on signing day. Uh, we'll thank Matt Shodell for being with us the, the first hour or so. I want to thank, of course, as always, Sicilian Oven, So six locations throughout South Florida where you can go get the finest Italian food and pizza that is available anywhere. And uh, I'll go through the locations again real quick. If you're near Plantation, there's the Fountain Complex off University Drive, um, the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne, um, the Lighthouse Point location at the Shops at Beacon Light, Coral Springs location, Sample Road 101st, And the Fort Lauderdale location just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale, where they have the full liquor bar at Sicilian Oven. You'll not only love the taste, you'll taste the love. Check them out at SicilianOven.com. All right, so the next Canesport Live show, I think, will be um, after the bowl game. Um, The bowl game is on Thursday night, the 26th, and um, maybe we'll. We'll, we'll see if if we can schedule something on the uh, Friday night, the 27th. Maybe we'll try to do. It. I know Friday night's not the best night, but I don't know that we want to wait all the way into the next week. Um, we're gonna have New Year's Eve, New Year's. So I'm gonna plan right now on the next show being Friday night, the 27th, the night after the ball game, and I'll post that on the message board, keep everybody up to speed. Um, after recruiting tomorrow, I guess the team will turn its attention. To Shreveport, Uh, I I don't know if anyone can get excited about the bowl game against Louisiana Tech. I I know I'm not. Um, Very disappointing to see uh, Miami in that level bowl game this year and certainly against an opponent like Louisiana Tech. But they're going to be all out to win that game. I got news for you. Louisiana Tech is going to come in. That's going to be their Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens there. And we'll meet back here on the 27th, Friday night, to slice it up and dice it. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show tonight, and until next time, I'll say good night.